Tonight's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you, as always, by DAZN. Their next big fight is Canelo Alvarez versus Daniel Jacobs, champion versus champion, live from Las Vegas. I can't miss. The story of this fight is actually incredible. Daniel Jacobs, diagnosed with osteosarcoma in 2011, an aggressive cancer in the form of a tumor around his spine. It damaged his nerves, caused paralysis in his legs. He miraculously returned to boxing, fought through the boxing ranks to the top of the middleweight class. He's fought the toughest opponents along the way. Nobody tougher than Canelo, the prodigy. He's held belts super middleweight, middleweight, and welterweight. He'll look to unify the middleweight belts against IBF champ Daniel Jacobs this coming May. Can't wait to watch this one. Three world titles on the line. Who's going to take it all? Check it out on DAZN. Subscribe now if you have not subscribed already. We're also brought to you by Lisa. They know how important rest is to a better life. Lisa is the foundation of a healthier, happier you. Their most popular multi-layer foam mattress is made with premium foams for cooling, contouring, and pressure-relieving support. Kyle, how's your Lisa mattress? You love it? I just it? popped it out of the box yesterday. Great. Great. Don't miss out. Live healthier, live happier. Rest deeper. You rested deeper. You oh, felt like I'm Kyle? so deep. All right, great. It's the first thing I noticed about him today. He's, I'm he's like, seemed very well rested. Incredibly you, well what's rested. What's your routine? Order today, get 15% off your purchase for a limited time at lisa.com slash BS, L E E S A dot com slash BS. Use promo code BS. We're also brought to you by the ringer.com and the ringer podcast network, the world's greatest website, the world's greatest podcast network. You can hear Dual Threat with Ryan Rossillo, the backup QB series, getting praise from. None other than one of my best friends, Steve Bishop, Amherst quarterback, late 80s. That's he loves huge. nothing more than the QB deep dives. And he and he tried to order a hundred episodes of the series. I was like, you don't you don't work here, Bish. Uh you can't do that. But uh, I really he loved appreciated it. his note. That was really nice. Yeah. Um he I, was I, in his wheelhouse. He wants the Ronald Curry episode. Now we gotta hunt down Ronald Curry. I think we could do that. I think he wants Ken Burns to take this thing over though. <laughs> he might. He might. <laughs> might want two hundred hours. Uh also awards. You, I don't want to say I don't want to say award season, but yeah, been, maybe Peabody. Who knows? Yeah. And if you love Game of Thrones, as always, we did the after the throne show right after Game of Thrones ended with uh Mallory and Jason. That was on Twitter. You can go watch the replay right now at Ringer or hashtag Talk the Thrones. Listen to Binge Mode. It's going up overnight Wednesday night. So when you wake up Thursday morning, it will be there waiting for you. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people listened to last week's episode. We're going to talk about, Russell and I, we, uh, we, we put at the tail end, we do the Game of Thrones recap for uh, people who don't have the highest Game of Thrones IQ. Yeah, we're perfect then. I just called a Game of Thrones just just to, <laughs> just to show you what you're in store for. But people really liked it last week. We're doing it again. Controversial episode this week. We have a lot of thoughts. Uh, we're going to talk basketball, though, coming up. I think my dad called it Throne Games. He goes, throne you, game. he goes you and Bill did the Throne Game thing. Throne Game. <laughs> that, was, that sounds like something a dad would say. I'm, uh, I don't have the quote perfectly, but I'm not far off. That would be a great title for Showtime if they just launched a drama called Throne Game. <laughs> Just yeah, to confuse right? everybody. It'd yeah, be just smart. what's wrong? I mean, look, Throne I had game. A, what? What do you what? Some of the dragon crossover, like it <laughs> happened during the Red Sox game on Nesson. They just had a dragon flying around a right field, and you go, "It'd be great." Come on, throne game. Who's in it? Not enough dragons. Who's in it? I think it's a bunch of like Banna. B and C listers. Yeah, Ban is Ban is the head of it. He was great in Dirty John. He gets decapitated. Um, basketball coming up first. Our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> 
All right, Ryan Rosillo is here as always, Sunday nights. This is a little little mini tradition for us here. Ryan comes over, we feed him, we watch basketball, we watch Game of Thrones, we actually plan the show. No no real, uh, we, we try not to, we always do a lot of saving for the pod. We did a lot of that today. A lot of that. We have yeah. a lot to discuss. I played with your kid. Yeah, you played some hoops. Your jumper looks great. Yeah, I actually it's, it, was, it really is. It I was, like the high release. It's a little Tatum esque release. Yeah, I was feeling it today. All right, I have I a big go play agenda after this. All right, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, big agenda. Uh, first of all, we're going to start with a mailbag question from Ryan in Seattle, who emailed this after Game Three. Is it fair to call Dame versus Russ the best pound for pound and most entertaining rivalry in the NBA right now? We just watched Game Four of uh, OKC Portland. OKC talked an incredible amount of shit. During and right after that game three, when uh, when they pulled it to two one, and uh, there was some real manhood stuff going on. Like it really felt like they felt they could intimidate and break the Blazers the more aggro they acted, and it backfired on them in game four. And the Blazers completely annihilated them. And there's a lot to discuss. What's the big thing that jumps out? First of all, Dame versus Russ. Is this your favorite one, or do you have another rivalry? I was really thinking about this because you sent me the note hours ahead of time and I, I didn't want to get too caught up in the moment and think, well, this is the only thing we have. So then I started thinking back and it was fun when everyone hated the Clippers. Everybody hated Chris Paul. Everybody, it felt like the Clippers were the hate, most hated team of like four or five It was Blake teams. versus like yeah. nine Houston different teams. Houston hated them. Yeah. Golden State hated them. Portland hated those guys. So it's basically everybody that was any good in the West. I didn't think Utah hated them for a bit. So then I started trying to think like, what kind of real rivalries do we have? And the only one that I could really think of is Westbrook-Durant because there's so much that goes into that. But then that's just including Westbrook again, who's just, as we know, he's, he's a guy that's going to be going at dudes. Well, they're never going to meet in a playoff series again, it looks like. Not after what we saw tonight. So, Which, which will be part two of this whole discussion. But yeah, especially if Durant goes to the East after the season, then they would only meet in the finals. And I, I think... Unless Westbrook pushes for a trade or something, he's not making the finals with this OKC team. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that. I so mean, yeah, Dame versus Russ. I think this was old school for me for a lot of reasons because the when you talk about what makes a basketball rivalry first, like fundamentally, it's got to be each guy is pissed off that other people think the other person's better than him. So it starts there. Like you have a lot of you don't talk about it a lot, but you have a lot of media rivalries, and it's all from the fundamental. I'm better than that person. Fuck that. How dare you? Yep. I, I'm making this up, by the way. Um, oh. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, you're, you're nodding seriously. You're like, yeah, absolutely. You just you start listing people. But I, like, I do like, I think it starts there where both guys are like, how dare you? Really? You think that guy's better than me? Like, I guarantee the MVP in 17 pisses off Lillard. And, and I, Lillard's been pissed about this. This isn't new. Like, yeah. everything you're saying is totally right. But Lillard has always done this kind of like, oh, here we're doing this again. Because he thinks he's the best. And all these guys think they're the he best. He has that underappreciated. Right. Absolutely. Nobody, oh, I'm in Portland. Nobody realizes how good I am. The fans do it, too. Where's Dame? Dame never gets mentioned. I mean, he's been, by the end of this by the end of this award season, he'll have a first, two seconds, and a third for the last four LNBAs. He is appreciated. He is. It's just. You got Steph. You had the Westbrook triple-double thing, which I think is worn off here. Harden, who was really a two, but you can't say he's not a point guard now because the whole thing runs through him. So you're behind two incredible players, but no one has ever said any other name as the first name on the second team All-NBA that I've heard from. And I picked both of them for second team. Westbrook and Lillard? And, and Lillard, which I think – I'm not sure Westbrook's going to make it. I think Kyrie will. 
but, but, but I, I couldn't seeing do this. I remember seeing this with um, like John Wall would have games, and and as much as everybody hates John Wall now, he had a season a couple of seasons ago where he was really good. Oh, he's seventeen. Yeah, yeah he so, was great. And you can say like, oh, what is he? And then he's he had the same thing. Like, wait a minute, you're naming all these point guards. None of these guys are ever going to go. Man, Curry's ridiculous and Harden's insane. Yeah, I'm not as good as Curry, but the other John Wall's not going to go. I'm probably five or six, depending on the month. (laughs) He's just not going to do that. So Wall used to do this thing based on exactly what you're saying. Like Dame's going, he thinks he's better than me. People think he's better than me. And Westbrook's like, this little dude thinks he can do what I can do. And people like, are you kidding me? And now, granted, Dame has far more of a chip on his shoulder because more people have approved of Westbrook. But I remember certain games when wall would have Kyrie and he'd be like oh I I want to murder this guy right and when I th- wall I, was it's good. funny I think Westbrook has a bigger chip because well, I think I think Portland won those way? first two games if we're, you're talking well, think, right now because there's I, just to interrupt there's no way Westbrook has been behind Lillard in the national landscape of point no, guards but I think the last couple of years I think Westbrook just travels with a chip Lillard's quiet about it I think Westbrook's constantly looking for things to get pissed off about, which is the third part of this that we're going to talk about him versus the media. But I think after those first two games, oh my God, Dame Lillard. Wow. I forgot how great he was. I think he sees all that stuff. And I think he was like, really watch this. I'm going to physically overpower this guy. Like I I have 30 pounds on him. I'm two inches taller and he can't stop me. And game three was really interesting because it was a very aggro old school performance by Westbrook, where when you watch it, you go, oh, yeah, you you are actually pretty physically imposing. And then Lillard was able to fight back, and they went at it, and it got really, really nasty. Game four was not as nasty, and I thought Westbrook had one of his stranger games we've ever seen, considering that th- this series is now over, I think. So what do we have with Westbrook now in his last how many playoff games? Because you put out this stat yeah, going into— four and, four and 14 in his last 18. So— if you start three up 3-1 against Golden State from that moment on, he's lost 14 of his last 18. More importantly, they're not going to get out of round one for the third straight year. He's 30. They have no way to make this team better. Um, and I, I got to be honest, like I think they have more talent than Portland. Like The biggest reason Portland has outplayed them is because Dame Lillard has been really great, and I think he's just a better leader, and I think he's more reliable, and I think he's more consistent. I think he's a better player than Westbrook is. When you watch these games you know, start to finish the way we do, and you know, you can see these different things, whereas Lillard had that insane third quarter in game three, and then you still lose, yeah. and then he hadn't hit a bucket until about a minute to go in the first half. Right, and, and what going, did he end up with? Did he, he was still over twenty, right? Um, yeah, I got he he had there. during the biggest, most yeah, important 20, stretch of the game, he showed up. Right, he ended up seven and nineteen, four and eight from three, and also had twenty four points. McCollum had twenty seven. This was a really good Aminu game, by the way. But when you looked at this and you go, okay, OKC swept in the regular season. They just lost Nurkic. The Canner thing, even though it wasn't good in game one, you knew at times it was going to show itself to be a big problem. And even with Paul George's shoulder thing, we know it's not debilitating. We've seen stretches from him in this series where you're like, okay, this looks right now. This is one of my okay. favorite Rosillo corners. The You don't seem that injured to me, corner. I love, well, I love when you do this. I, I think we've done this thing now where every star – and even some of the the secondary stars in this league, whenever they have bad playoff games, oh, you know, he's actually, you know, he's hurt or he's tired. Like all we do is talk about rest. Guys have never been more well rested. We've never had more time in between games. We've never we've had, never had better backs. technology right. or equipment like, or training I, expertise. They're not. You can't just be like, oh, 
missed a ton of shots that time of the year, man. Tired. Everyone mails it in the last month of this regular season. These guys are tired, man. They're flying first class and they're getting rubbed down. You're in game three of four (laughs) of the first round. Played three games in the last four weeks. Come on. It's exhausted. I think the Westbrook thing is a really, and I try not to repeat myself because I feel like it's the same stuff over and over, but how many more years of evidence do we need to see that his approach and this whole thing, if I were Presti, I wouldn't make it known but I would kick the tire because I think you get a dollar on a dollar for Westbrook right now. This and is unbelievable. I'm I love su- this. What, what's, what, what's the point? What's the point of bringing everybody back and having Westbrook be the ling, uh, ringleader? I understand what he means to Thunder fans. I've been over this. I know that he's the guy that, you know, you lost two MVPs and this MVP took your money and wanted to stay home. And I don't mean took your money in a bad way. Like he decided to stay. He- so you, you rep him, you defend him. And guess what? You're going to lose in the first round again to an inferior team. You lost to one rookie scorer last year. And as much as I can respect his passion, Oklahoma City is held hostage by Westbrook in a way that I haven't seen since Iverson was with the Sixers. And the only real oh, difference is- that's a good is, analogy. The only real difference is, is that Westbrook has far more maturity and work ethic about him, but it's almost the same thing from a basketball sense, is that whatever it is that he is, this great talent, this- this sun that the world, the OKC orbits around, you're held hostage by it, and I don't see anything that's going to change. You're just a Westbrook hater. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just. I'm, I, I'm imitating your Twitter feed. At I know what's. I know what's going to happen. Morning. But I mean, honestly, the Thunder fans should be the ones that realize this the most. Well, so obviously, I agree with you, and I have a lot of issues with Westbrook as a basketball player. We're also admiring like his talent and how Absolutely. unique he is. Right, but. It was there's, fun game three. There's three versions of Westbrook in a playoff series. And we saw two of them in game three and game four. Game three is the, I'm feeling it tonight. I am one of the great physical specimens we've ever had in the league. And I'm going to dominate this game. And you know that Westbrook pretty early, you can see it. The flip side is what we saw in uh, today in this Portland game. He didn't have it. And we were we were calling it out. I wish we had cameras in uh, in my living room. Maybe that would have been a bad idea. It was a great yeah. show. It was a great. We had a great today. show, but but we noticed it with about eleven minutes left. We were like, he's he's intentionally deferring because you looked it up. He was five for nineteen, and you and you asked me how many shots do you think he'll take the rest of this game? And I was like, I actually don't think he's going to shoot that much. I think he's in this mode now he where he's two like more shots. He yeah, he was basically like, I don't want to go six for thirty in this game. I'm guessing but was just passing, 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 deferring. Entire possessions where you would have thought Dennis Schroeder was the best guy in the team. He's in the corner. And it was weird too, because it wasn't just, hey, look, we get every possession. There's different things. So you're not trying to like point out stuff to make a point. But there'd be times where the ball handler on the strong side would get caught and Westbrook wasn't even coming to the top of the key. He wasn't cutting. He just wasn't moving. And I, I think the difference between him and Kyrie and Lillard and Curry, Curry can disappear. But I think when the bacon is being being made on the on the grill, which is today, you're down two one. You can't go back to Portland down three one. Now you have to play two games in Portland that are do or die, basically. Um, all of those guys would have been like, "I'm not going down like this." Or if we're going down like this, we're going down with me. The flip, the third version of Westbrook is when he says that and just is out of control, like he was in that Utah game six last year when he took the forty shots. If we're if we're going down in flames, I'm doing everything. He can never find that balance of, oh shit, 
these next 10 minutes, they're going to decide the series. I'm going to do this. I don't know if he can figure it out on the fly. And we've seen it now, three straight rounds. 2017, they they had an inferior team. I can't really hang that on them. Last year against Utah, what Even was the excuse year, there? Right? What's but, the excuse this year? They have more talent than Portland. What's the excuse? Especially when Portland had to kind of figure out their big minimum rotation here. And fucking Enos Cantor and two, two defending pick and rolls. This Zach Collins thing, like this is why they wanted him so bad before yeah. the draft. And, you know, they're just little minutes in there and you don't really know what it means, you know, going the rest of the way. But I thought even down 0-2, I thought OKC would go home. And I'm like, you know what? There can't be that much of a gap between these two teams. Like they'll probably play harder. They'll probably be up, you know, excuse me, they'll probably even this thing up 2-2. But I still feel the same way I, I feel about about Westbrook because it's like, what else am I supposed to wait on? And And the problem for it is that that's just... The way coming out of high school, the doubt at UCLA, what is this guy? Is he really a point guard? All of this stuff. Like you're asking somebody, it's almost like you're asking your really creative friend. And I'm not even talking, I'm like talking like really special creative that sees the world in a different way Me? to be normal at a cocktail party. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, think about this. I voted Paul George for first team all NBA and I think fifth MVP. Westbrook was the MVP two years ago. Just from there, from a star power standpoint, those two versus CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard, they should have an advantage. And then you go down the rest of the way, coaches even, role players pretty even. So it's it's you're basically talking about a two ver two v two. And whoever's two guys play better, that side's gonna win. George, we whatever's wrong with him, he doesn't look the same they did in the first 50 games. Or maybe this is just who he is in the playoffs. That was my game one thing because I go, maybe it it's the shoulder. Look, he's clearly hurt enough that this is a maintenance thing. But I don't know. Maybe I don't I don't really know. I think I've already said everything I was going to say. I know, it, but know? I look at this like, like long term. If you're OKC, what do you do now? Because you're going to lose for the third straight first round. And now you have two of the best 12 to 14 guys in the league. They make a ton of money. You got Adams for 20 million plus. You have Schroeder for 15, 60 million plus. You have Grant for eight. You have no room really at all. So to go back to your Westbrook point, I don't think there's a chance in hell they trade him. But that's probably like Belichick would trade him. Belichick right now would be like, what can I get for Westbrook? Here's what I would do. Oh, I, would do I could trade him to the Lakers for Alonzo and, and Kyle Kuzma and Palenka. have the cap space. Done. Let's start calling now. LeBron and Westbrook. Good. Let's go. I think you would get the full price for him, where every other star in this league that is traded, you're always trading them at a discount. You're always losing that trade as the team that's getting rid of one of these perceived top I don't 10 think you guys. get full price. I disagree. I oh, think I, he, think, I think it's, you're talking $200 million for the next four years or something, or $180 million, something like that, for a guy who's gets his knee scoped every, what, October? He always has some weird knee procedure. Um, he's taken a lot of hits. He's he's played a really physical style of basketball, and he's been in the league longer than you realize. And he's he's going to be year twelve next year. Yeah, but it's not like disgruntled. I'm out of here. I'm only going to this place. I'm all these different things. No, if anything, he'll want to stay there. But my question is, let me double check. No I mean trade. Westbrook. I don't think anyone has one right now, right? Active in the NBA is for what? the new thing was that no one has a no trade now after. No, Westbrook does not have a no trade. Um, because not, they'd never trade him. Paul George is the other one. So uh, here's what I think. 
We're going to read a lot over the next week or so about what's okay, C going to do, what's what's their plan, all that stuff. The guy they're going to have to trade is Adams, who has been um, really, really disappointing, not only uh, in this series, but down the stretch too. And he, you know, this is a series where he's by far the best big man in this series, and he's not really having an impact on it. He makes a big price, and that's somebody who would be really valuable to somebody else, I think. Um I don't know what kind of physical shape he's in, but I think that's how they have to think is like Adams is probably the fall guy coming out of this because they're not going to break up Westbrook and Paul George. No, you wouldn't because that was the whole point of doing this thing. And you're right. I just to double check it. He hadn't had enough time in for the no trade. Um, Adams is a big number. That's pretty much it. It's like, isn't it like 22, 23 million, something like that? Uh, (sighs) You could argue maybe on a different team or a different style or, you know, change of scenery or something. That'd be good for him. Great chemistry guy. Yeah, Adams will be next year. He'll be 25-8 and then 27-5. Oh! That's a catastrophe. Yeah, and that's all. I have to no bump him out of the top 55 trade value. I don't think he's in there anymore. Have you? It feels like you've just turned on Steven Adams. I've I've seen nothing from him this series. I think he's in a really bad spot because it's you're gonna come all the way up to try to deal with these guards. So that's ridiculous. When I watch where they try to initiate some of this stuff, like it's it's crazy how far out they'll extend. But do you it's need like Stephen inverted- Adams anymore? Maybe maybe just that type of center. Once you get to the playoffs and you have all these shooters, I think Horford becomes the type of center you need. Unless you're going against somebody like Embiid. Like if they're playing Philly in a series, you need Stephen Adams. Yeah, right. And you saw with Brooklyn, like. Uh, is basically just Jared Allen and cross your fingers when Embiid was out there. And they they finally, to... Uh, they put Jared Dudley on him. Yeah, to great hire Kenny Atkinson's credit. We always call him great hire Kenny at the, at the ringer. Because when he got hired, everybody was like, great hire. Was was he, he a lot of media friends. Yeah, great it hire. seemed like, was he just a source all the time it's in Atlanta? A, it's great hire. Great hire. Nobody nobody knows defense better than Kenny Atkinson. Um, but I think he, they eventually realized, like, yeah, we should just go small. We can't stop and beat anyway. I couldn't believe it took him three and three games to start Karis LeVert. That was just weird. Oh, we're like, doing this? Did we already switch? No, I just, oh. we just, we're going to go back. Um, and yeah, wait, let's save that for later. Um, yeah, I don't know what OKC does. And, you know, the legacy of Westbrook, where he's made one finals, I don't think he makes another one unless something dramatic happens. And I think he's going to move into that, like from a career retrospective, you know, the way we look at certain guys like the, from George Gervin, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones from like a Kevin Johnson. He's better than Kevin Johnson, obviously, but like certain guys who just kind of never had their moment on a big stage and he never did. Um, 2012 was probably the closest. 2016, it could have happened. But it's it's turned into a little bit of a what-if career, which I think is going to be the legacy of this OKC team, where you head into the decade there, the de facto, no question, number one choice for who's going to be the team of the decade. And they win one finals game. They have some bad luck mixed with uh, a catastrophic trade. I always and- felt like that was close. Like that series in five, the loss to Miami. First was actually, four games were, the, it was just yeah, incredible. it was came down to five points. Right. Yeah. And there was little things. If you go back, I've watched it like a Baca, not realizing what to do defensively, the bad, just simple little things that younger guys screw up. Durant and- got fouled in game one or game two and they didn't call it. 
And I remember that on the baseline because it was right where I was sitting and he clearly got fouled. Yeah, so you're going, but, oh my gosh, this is going to be a run. You mentioned the Harden thing. It feels like if they had won in 16, that, I don't know. I mean, Your look, worst case scenario if you're an OKC fan is Houston wins the title with James Harden on top of your third straight first round exit and the team, a roster that you can't do anything with. And then if I'm Presty, who is really well-respected and for the most part, I think has is at least a B plus. The Harden trade's the worst thing he did. But for the most part, it's been really good, drafted really good, and has was able to reboot something that seemed unrebootable. Um, well, does think he, about does what he's he look done. at it? Yeah, but does no. Har- Presti's, Presti's up No, but there. does Presti yeah. look at this and go, maybe this is the time to go? There's some good jobs. Looks like that Lakers job is never going to be open, huh? Well, I think they're waiting for somebody. I, I don't think it's even a secret at this point. One of the GMs of a current playoff team is going to get that job. And well, I already tweeted about it. Who do you think it is? Well, I don't know. I'm not saying it as definitively as you are, so maybe I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> I said somebody they should go after. I think I think they're waiting. Oh, all right. I think they should just go after Bob Myers. He is a current playoff GM. He is. He was eligible for the quiz. Um, My money would be on Bob Myers. This isn't an important enough bet for anyone to bet on because I don't even know if like sportsbook.com or the DraftKings app or whatever would even have this as a bet. But I would bet on Bob Myers because he's from here. It feels like that Golden State thing is reaching the end of some finish line. And that, I think that Lakers job is a great job because you're following just a, a, a cadre of morons. Yeah, I, I don't never understand why, like the GM still is as important, you know, some of the GMs, like I'll look around and it's all over the place. It's a really, I don't want to say underreported thing. It just, I don't think anybody really cares, but there's some GMs making less than half a grand, uh, half a mil, all right? Like under 500,000. There's a couple. And you go, what the hell is that? And then you're hearing like on the high end that some of these guys are getting closer to eight figures and it's only a few of them. But if I'm the Lakers, and the thing I always think about Bob is it's not just he's the best GM, it's that he has the perfect personality. He's the antidote to what this Lakers bullshit has been for however many it's years. He's one of the most well-liked NBA people, period. It's impossible and to And he's dislike. also done a fucking awesome job. Yeah, right. I mean- Really yeah. from day one. So it's I, not even I barely know him. I'm not, I'm not like good buddies with him. He's not on my cell phone, any of that shit. I just have always respected the job he's done. I, and it seems like it's time I, for him to go. Yeah, see, like the thing with with the the Warriors, like there'd be stuff where like Jerry West would be getting credit for it. Bob was doing all the stuff, man. Right. And Bob didn't care. Bob never cared. Like he, it didn't. It, it never bothered him. And I'm like, you know what? Like the first time I had had this story relayed to me, I go, "There's not many GMs that would be like, ah, fuck it, I don't care. I'm not worried about it." While he's maybe the best in his profession, putting together this absurd roster that's not a one swing at it. And also planning for that Durant summer way ahead. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I can't imagine, you know, think of some of the players that you'll spend 10 million a year on that suck, that'll never do anything, that are maybe a seventh or eighth guy. I'm surprised that that NBA owners, why don't NBA owners go? Because they're morons. The owners are just as bad. They're morons. This is like the Knicks thing. When the Knicks finally said, hey, let's spend some money on the problem, they go and they get Phil Jackson, who's going to work 32 hours a week. How predictable was that? Was it that many? Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize <laughs> to Phil. It was 18 hours a week. But 
you know, that's, like, that's one of the things with Dolan that I think kind of sucked, though. It's like, hey, everybody's been telling me for years I'm just supposed to pay a guy to be the front and face of this whole thing, and I'll just back off. It just well, you picked in, you picked the guy that was going to mail it in. <laughs> Seriously, what was that thing? Was it you guys that had that? I forget. It might have been one of those videos that was going around that 29 scouts went to go see Giannis. <laughs> 29 teams, excuse yeah. me. Giannis, I mean, the revisionist history with some of that stuff's been incredible. If I was a GM, you know what? What The job that I actually think is the best job is Washington. Here's why. I have a three-year grace period where no, it's almost like the <laughs> Sean Marks Brooklyn contract. thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just no like, what. this job's hopeless. We have John Wall's contract. We're oper- operating with a salary cap that's 60% what everybody else's is. And I Bradley Beal, and I'm going to have a top five lottery pick and an extraordinarily patient franchise who is so fired up they don't have Ernie Grunfeld as their GM anymore. And a really great basketball city. Like a really underrated, great basketball city that really wants a winner again. I would want that job. Because I have a building block. I have a second building block with that pick. And it's a long game. I'm not going to be judged right away. Lakers, you're walking in. I mean, who the fuck knows with that job? I don't even know if I have a blue chipper on that team right now other than LeBron, and LeBron could break down at any time. I would offer up Beal, and you'd just tell somebody you got to take Wall. Yeah, you said that before. Yeah. I, I'm I'm keeping Beal. I think he's a top 20 guy. It's you a just 30 ride team out that league. Wall contract? Well, House laid this out uh, a few weeks ago. They can write off almost all of it for insurance next year, and then you hope he's... You know, with science, say we bring them back. Yeah, or and there's, just, always, just there's always the out. thing too that you could the counter to what I just said would be, well, you got to pay somebody. You know, when you got to pay ninety percent of the cap anyway. Why not just keep him instead of getting rid of arguably? You know, if there was a you didn't put Beal on your your third team NBA, but he was in the conversation. I would I only yeah. because I stuck with the whole only guys on winning teams thing. But I thought I thought just from an individual standpoint. I thought he was one of the best six guards. Um, hey, can I tell you about uh, Bud Light? They're keeping it real. That's great. They're putting an ingredients label on their packaging, brewed with hops, barley water, and rice, no corn syrup, no preservatives, no artificial flavors. You know who else is keeping it real? Nephew Kyle. Hey, thanks. He stopped jeweling during the podcast. I really appreciated it. Did it bother you? It never bothered me. It always gave, made me a little lightheaded. Also, I'm just looking out for him. I want Nephi Kyle to have a long, productive, awesome career. Julian's not even bad for you. Yeah, no, Reds, Reds are so you. much better. You don't want to be judged. I don't want Kyle to be judged at his next job after I get hit by a bus. Um, <laughs> hey, cheer. I'll give you a recommendation, and I'll let you jewel <laughs> if Bill gets killed. <laughs> File that one away. Thanks. Uh, meanwhile, cheers to Bud Light. <laughs> Reminding you to enjoy responsibility and, uh, and keep it real. Uh, second part of this Russ discussion. This, so this is something that popped up Friday night. Russ has this awesome game, and he's doing his next question bullshit to uh, Barry Trammell of the OKC paper that he has. Is it Trammell? Barry Trammell, whatever his right. name is. Sorry, <laughs> is he, Barry. Wait a minute, which he's from the Leon Gazette, the Daily <laughs> Daily Oklahoman, or whatever. And people are like, "Well, you you know, there's all this Russ apology stuff on the internet, and it's like, well, you know, that he's feuding with that guy. That guy was a dick to him." We ran a piece about this on Grantland four years ago, written by the great Brian Curtis, which I mailed to you. And a big part of that piece was about how Barry Tr- Barry Trammell? Trammell. Like Barry Trammell? Sure. I've, I've never heard this French version of it. Sorry. But- uh, Barry 
Barry, so uh, in your head right now. didn't know why Russ was mad at him. Yeah, I didn't know. Had no idea. He just knew that Russ didn't like him and something happened. And it was maybe this headline of this piece he'd written that he didn't even write the headline. The Mr. And it was Undeniable just was. thing. But the, or un- Mr. Unreliable, but it was about Durant. It was after that playoff thing. And even Trammell said when he saw the web edition yeah. of his article, he, that he was like, ugh. And then he's like, well, whatever. It'll just be the web. So I was still at Grantland when we wrote that piece, and a big it's reason, awesome, by the way. Yeah, it was a great. It's a again. great piece. It's a great reread. I did it on my. Uh, I I tweeted it this weekend. If you want to check it out out there, but one of the reasons we did it was because I w- I was just so fascinated by how OKC controlled not only the media but who got to talk to their players, how their players acted, and this had been really like a four year problem with them. So we sent Curtis down there to kind of investigate, and he wrote this awesome piece. He's so good, by the way. And yeah, he's yeah. he's amazing. So the point of the piece was basically these guys act like this because this is what the OKC organization wants. This is what they push. Is it's either you're with us or against us. And you see it with this next question stuff. These guys, they walk around like gods in OKC. It's us against them just with everything. And it leads to, I don't know, I, I think it's really bad behavior. So that, but that's one thing. On the other hand, I don't really care because those press conferences are so inane. They're such a waste of time that I kind of agree with them. Like, I don't want to fucking be here. You guys don't want to be here. None of us want to be here. We're going through this charade this custom that has been in place for the last 50 years, but I hate it and I can't hide it. So I don't blame him for doing it, but at the same time, I think it's shitty that he's doing it. I'm torn on it is my point. It feels a little bit like arguing bat flips right now, which has become political. Like I know who like the anti-bat flip people are and I know who the pro-bat flip people are and that there's no like, well, you know, maybe some bat flips are stupid and other bat flips are awesome. Um, that's kind of what it feels like a little bit because there's so many people that, let's just say it, hate us. Okay. The media. They're just not that impressed with us. Yeah. They're like, what is it, two guys in fucking sweatpants with a couple of microphones? Like, that's us right now. Yeah. Well, I could do yeah. that shit. Well, you didn't. Chewling. You didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get it. And I used to think that when I wasn't doing it. And then I, I went and did it. And so I think there's always been a lot of, I wouldn't even call it animosity. I'd call it deeper than that. I, I think there's just a lot of people that look at us in the media and think we're all fucking losers. And honestly, I have friends that work in this business that sometimes I look at something they say or something they write where I'm like, what? And there's other people that are in this business I flat out don't like and would never spend a minute with where I'm like, you guys are the reason athletes think all of us are fucking clowns. And why fans are going to stick up for the athletes more than us. So I'm not even really looking at this as taking sides, but I just think there's kind of a a level of decency that goes along with the gig that you have to figure out. Now, if I were an athlete and I had to go shower and come back naked and put on my compression shorts or whatever in front of seven heavyset white guys just staring at you. And then there's a couple women, which, you know, honestly, I'm not even talking about this like as a male female thing. Of all the things that we're trying to update the thinking of here in in present day language and the way we talk and the way we decipher things, am I am I weird for going? You know, because I'll talk to some of my buddies that play and they're just like, "That's insane." 
That's yeah. kind of like, does it still have to be done that way? Now, if you ask the beat guy, and I, I don't envy the beat guy because that's a tough job. You've got to be around those guys all the time. All right. right. That's your whole life schedule. You're trying to work these relationships, but it's like, is it the only way to work the relationship to be standing there at the locker room while you see his dick? Well, that was is another piece. the only way to do it? Because that was it another be. piece Curtis wrote about sidling, which was a Mark Stein term from way back about these guys searching for the six minutes they can grab somebody when they're headed to their car or headed for the workout. And the whole game of the beat writers basically admitting there's no real way to get information unless you start building these little side relationships, the DM, stuff like that. My whole thing is the system is broken and it's been broken for a while. And there was a reason we did it in 1950, 60, 70 this way. Because we didn't have the internet. We weren't televising press conferences. We didn't, nobody cared about the access to these guys. You had two or three people in the locker room max. And they just did it that way. And it's like one of the, it's like how if the whole reason I wrote my basketball book was about the basketball hall of fame. It was like, why do we do it this way? Well, that's how we've always done it. And that's the answer. And anytime the answer is, well, that's how we've always done it. You know, we're headed for just stupidity, just sheer stupidity. Well, that's how we've, that's how Dick Young did it in 1954. So, so what could be, it's like, well, that's idiotic. What could be it was done? was 1954. Like, like, what if you said, like, I wonder if it would work. You're like, hey, you know what we're not doing anymore? We're doing no more locker room stuff. Like, the locker room is their room. Yeah. It's that team. Stay the fuck out. Stay out of the locker room. But does that mean then the beat, the beat guy would be listening to this right now being like, well, if you do that, then we're never going to get any time with these guys. Well, is that, is that true? Like, can you not go to shoot around and hang around or is the guy shooting around and he's like, fuck off? Like, also, just, what do you, but what are you getting in that time that well, I care? I follow basketball constantly. What are you getting? Like, I, I do I think talk some to you, people get something out of it though. I do think there are reporters that do a really good job of building these relationships. I'd have to still think there's some value to it. Like you're acting as if there's no value. No, in I'm not, I'm not acting about that. I'm at, I'm. We're talking about specifically the horde of people all around somebody. What are you getting out of that? You're getting the same quotes everybody else is getting, only there's eight to 20 people around somebody. What am I getting? Like, what am I getting from, I, I tweeted about Friday night, Lisa Salters at ESPN interviews Russell Westbrook right after that game. He is talking all kinds of shit to Lillard that whole game. It is trending on Twitter. It's the, by far the most important story of the game. And she has him five questions and never says to him, what was going on with you and Lillard? Which is the only thing I cared about. Then we talk about tonight, Stephanie Reedy interviewed uh, CJ McCollum. Nothing about, hey, was it sweet? Like they talked a lot of shit on Friday night. Was it sweet to really stick it to them tonight? No, that wasn't asked either. So why am I watching your sideline interview then? You're not going to ask the questions I care about. What's the point? If you're asking me to defend sideline interviews, I'm not. I'm not, do that. I'm not right, asking right. you to defend that. I'm asking, like, what are we getting on any of this stuff? How many times have you been enlightened or heard anything that you were like, "Wow, I wow, watched that so many, was a I moment." I watched so many games. I I tell myself that's it. No post game, no pregame. Like I won't. I don't watch a ton of it because I'm going to spend ten hours in games on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. So to add extra stuff, to add all the post game, you're right. I don't get a lot out of it. Ryan, but, that podcast you do with Bill is great. Uh, what would you change going into the next podcast? Wouldn't it be great? We take our clothes off and somebody comes in <laughs> and they're <laughs> like, Hey, that second segment, uh, Bill really went at nephew Kyle there. Where did you wish he had done that differently? You know, look, Kyle's part of the team and <laughs> well, you know, you know, Kyle's... that's something we're going to keep in house. Cause a lot of us is a long season. <laughs> it's so got, fucking stupid. Just started. Why do I'd we do so it this at... way? Okay. It's, ri it's ridiculous. I'm pushing back a little bit here though. You're 
Are you proposing completely to eliminate it? I'm saying let's make I'm not, the conditions. I'm proposing that we, we that we create something different and new because go what so hangout room. One thing I was thinking was <laughs> you have an assigned reporter after a game. They work with the other reporters. They come up with like I don't know eight to ten questions, and they just have a one on one with that person. Then they disperse the info. But I think when we get to the playoffs, these guys are at the podium anyway. Why do we need 25 people there? I can, wa- I can watch the interview on TV. You're I can watch a press conference right on now. TV. You, I don't like, you could be eliminating jobs. I'm not right? eliminating jobs. I want a better system. I want a, a better system in that if I were an athlete and the first thing I'm seeing when I come out of the shower is I got to change in front of all these people. I'm not, even though that's the way it's been done forever. It's not great. I don't know why. I don't understand how everybody's been like, yeah, that's totally normal. It's totally cool. I think you're starting from a situation where the guy's like, oh, cool. I can't even see any of my shit at my locker because it's surrounded by people. And that sucks. I, I do think there has to be some kind of access that isn't just the podium access or isn't just a lot. There has to be some kind of, hey, well, so- I'm around the team all season long, 82 games, like a, a few minutes, you and I decide. Like, I think you have to figure out some of that stuff because look, we still love the rumors. We still love all the bullshit. We love the shit that isn't even true. It's entertaining. Yeah. And if you never have any of those relationships built, I just don't know that those like really good, hey, here's what happened articles that maybe come out once a year about a team that went That always wrong. come out after right. the guy left the after, team. It's always, especially in yeah. Boston. So that that's, you've just made my point, kind of. The, the, the thing that really bothers me is I hated the next question stuff Westbrook was doing. And it, and then I also hated the reaction like, hey man, these guys are just trying to do their job. And it's like, what's their job? To, to get a terrible answer from Westbrook who's never going to say anything? Like how many guys are actually good quotes right now? Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, who's off the reservation every three weeks. But how many guys actually bring Luke you real Kennard. insight into the game? Right? Kennard. Uh the only time you really see it is if somebody gets time to do like a feature on somebody and they spend real time with them. Yeah, and but that's a lot when of times, we get insights. Yeah, but a lot of times on the feature, it'll be like, hey, we have something coming out. Like when I read that article, the Curtis article, there's a couple things that, that I remember. Like Westbrook did a one-on-one with, with Trammell when his Jordan brand deal was done. Yes. And you're like, oh, okay. And the other part of that article that I think is really important to point this whole thing out is that this is more specific to the NBA. The NBA- Yeah, yeah, this is, is a- This is a- homer job if you are on the broadcast you're expected to be a homer if you're a sideline you're you're basically a team employee even if your station isn't owned by the team i remember when i was doing the celtics games up in boston and that's always the funniest thing about me is being supposedly the boston guy nationally everyone in boston thought i hated all the boston teams um and i would go out there and i was lucky enough that the celtics people let me do that that stuff but at one point they thought tommy heinsohn was too critical Right. I'm serious. This is true. Like, and I would look around and be like, what's going on around here? And we started calling the green teamers. And then I remember one of the guys was like, Ainge told me flat out, like, hey, nothing wrong with being a homer. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? Like, why would you just want to be a homer and sell the team's message? But when you're on the broadcast, that's what you're expected to do. Like, I'll listen, you're the same deal. League pass now. Oh, it's you, it's, it's cheerleaders. Every, every fucking game is a commercial for the team. And that's how all ownership and all the front offices want it. And well, also those, those a lot of times those guys are riding the planes with the guys, and yeah, I get there's it. There's a you know, whole you're not bunch of be like, oh, Westbrook's fucking it up again tonight. But they get a champ. They get a championship ring if the team wins. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but I mean, that's that's also weird. But Listen, NBA PR people, though, like in, in a guys who's trying to book a show all the time, like NBR, and not all of them. 
But a lot of them, man, just say fucking no. Just say we're not getting you the guy. And instead, right. they do this game, this false hope bullshit, where it's like, yeah, well, you know, we'll run that up the flag, which is exactly what Curtis was saying in that article with the Thunder guys. So I think when you have all of these people protecting all the guys, I think it gets back to the origin of it. Is it even Westbrook's fault if this is the way he was told that they were going to run the operation down there? And it isn't just like that there. It's it's like that in other places too. I, I'm not saying it should go away. I just think we're doing it wrong. And I would love to, I would love to come up with a better way to do this. I'm all for it. But I, I think it's crazy that so many people are in the locker room. I think it, it's adversarial for the athletes. So they just retreat into this whole like generic quote thing. And then when they actually do say something, like Kyrie can't help himself. And Kyrie caused a lot of problems this season because he couldn't help himself. Now, some people would say this is great. Other people would say, if you interviewed me every day for the next eight months, I probably would say three dumb things during those eight months, Easily. right? So is that good? Is that what we want? Are we just, is this situation where we're just trying to get people to eventually let their guard down so they say something dumb and then we can make a story out of it? Because we don't get any real insight out of it. That thing they online the other day when Durant, did you see that two minute video of Durant breaking down Patrick Beverly guarding him? And yeah. that was fascinating. I love that. Occasionally you have nuggets like that and that's what makes all this access worth it. But my point is, for the most part, it's just crap. And we 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 forgive it because every once in a while we get the Durant moment or we get Kyrie saying something crazy. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's, this is why we have this. But for the most part, I don't like it. And I just wish there was a better way to do it. And I don't know why we do it the way we did it 60 years ago. Are we, though, too isolated in the way we're looking at this and not realizing that anything that's ever been important and certainly as important as the NBA is, that they've all had the same stuff? Reality shows that are huge, podcasts about them, all these like imagine watching a reality show and then watching a breakdown of the reality show you just watched. They do that on all these shows now. True. All these magazine articles, all the stuff that you're like, it's the same thing. So there's clearly a thirst for the interest level here that honestly, I, I even though I think a lot of it is very outdated and makes the relationship nasty to begin with. So we're in agreement on that one. I don't. I don't want to see it become a thing where like all of a sudden the access is diminished because I'm not, I'm not asking for diminished access. Then somebody's just going to want it back again. They're going to go, wait a minute. How can we don't do more with these guys? And by the way, the ringer, we send people to locker rooms all the time and we're always hoping for nuggets. We're always hoping for, we've had we John Gonzalez and Paolo Getty. Like we've sent a bunch of people and they've come up with good stories from the, from that stuff. My point is why is this so hard? Why is this fraught with so many complications? And why do we put athletes in the position where they constantly just have to talk about fucking bullshit and they're not going to say anything? And this is somehow the way we do it. Like the sideline, the the interviews of the coaches after the first and third quarters and the post-game interviews are fucking atrocious. They're atrocious. Total waste of time. I All I did was watch basketball the last 11 days. I've been home. I've watched everything. I have like all kinds of opinions. I never saw one anything during any of those interviews that I thought was interesting. And one thing. But I think it's what one am of those I things learn? that we've always gone like, oh, and this is back to your point. So it's not a disagreement. It's just, well, you know, we've always done that. We pay for that access. They know that it's part of it. I mean, they started doing more and more of that stuff. Remember, they started doing this on all these baseball broadcasts. It's like, let's get in the dugout. Let's throw a headset on the guy. <laughs> that I kind of like. But 
It's so that is the, so crazy. I kind of enjoy that. The only time like baseball wh- managers <laughs> seem drunk. <laughs> like the only thing that could make Wired for Sound less entertaining is if it were longer. Whenever they have the players, be like, "All right, we're going to go to Gary." Well, I, Gordon, I know the process of that. Aaron so, Gordon. well, I know what happens. They film they, the Wired. They, I know. Each team has a representative. Yep. And they basically have the ability to nag any single thing on that sounds of the game, which is why we always get, come on, Ryan, let's have a good podcast. Let's go, Ryan. Come on, baby. Talk, talk. Come on, guys. Hey, Hey, make sure you talk. Hey, hey, we can get back. Come on. Come on. Boozer, when he was Mike for sound, he was on the bench, most of it. And I thought, my God, he might be the most annoying guy on the bench I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) So that was in enlightening on that one well it's interesting that football which is so horrible in so many different ways and does manages to do just about everything wrong and yet their all access stuff is so much better than the nba their policy is better about it they allow way much more the nba would never do hard knocks in a million years ever they would do like the generic sanitized version of it they would never do the real hard knocks they would never do like the stuff we get on the uh, that mic'd up show, you know, after the AFC title game and the shit like yeah, that's the NBA Amadola yeah. mic'd up, just saying crazy shit to Gronk. Like the NBA would never do that. I'd love it if they did it. I, I guess I keep thinking about. I remember, I remember before I knew how much it was edited out on the Wired for Sound. I used to think Scott Brooks was the worst coach ever. Way long, like I, because he'd always be like intensity, God, rebound. Guys, we got a rebound. Possession. And then somebody at ESPN is like, oh, yeah, no, we. Yeah, it's completely docked. Anything that's good. So back to my original point, what do you want from Russell Westbrook after a game? Do do any of us expect he's going to say anything interesting? No. Well, he's smart a, enough not to. There's a street here that we haven't gone down yet. Let's though. do it. Is that as much as I love this league, and I do, and I love the game of basketball. I love basketball. I can't ever imagine not loving basketball as much as I love it. There's certain nights where I go, cool, I'm just going to sit here for like five hours and watch guys argue every fucking call and be wrong 90% of the time. And these guys are all like becoming more and more unlikable because they're all fucking miserable. And then they can't just play the game yeah. and just get get the answers right. The and, argument with the refs like, is the worst it's ever been. It's and so unlikable. It's out of and control. You know, here's the thing. I know everybody hates refs too. The players are wrong. All the time. I know. I know. It's funny. I talked about this on the pod a few years ago. I actually stopped going to Clipper games because I hated going and watching Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and Doc Rivers argue about absolutely everything constantly. Every call was the biggest mistake that's ever happened. The fans get caught up into it, and it's just 20,000 aggrieved people. They're just furious that, and then you watch the replay. It's like, oh, yeah, he hacked them. Um, I hate it. And I don't know if there's any way to stop it because I think it ties into this whole bigger picture of just the way players are, are, are wired now where it's like, I'm the shit. How dare you? How dare you? It feels How like there's you a real me. detachment of reality. Of reality. Yeah. Now and that, now the players don't, they don't want to get booed. We're not allowed to boo players anymore. Can I, can I just gently boo? Can I go to a Celtics Bucks game next week and just kind of boo when Giannis is at the free throw line or is that not allowed anymore? Um, that well, that, that's a little different. No, I think Ben Simmons was upset because his own fans are booing him. No, but people now it's like, oh man, these fans, they're brutal. It's like, do you know, 
I went to the games in the seventies. The fans were fucking brutal in the in the Boston Garden. The seventies. It is way better now. It's so much nicer. Yeah, I don't ever go in there now thinking this is we had like it's intense. Go back to Game Six, eighty six finals, Houston Boston. All the Samson is a sissy signs. They're they're hanging Samson's like jersey from the rafters with the Samson is a sissy sign on it, and he comes out and. and it was just everyone was so mad at him because he put Siege State the previous game. Real hate in the air. And it really affected him. He went like two for eight. Um, but that's not cool anymore. That's not, you know, it's now I'd be like, oh man, you know, Ralph, we well, Ralph we had some anger management issues in game no, you five. Know what that would be. It would be Boston again. <laughs> well, listen, Figures. if some if a seven foot four guy punches a six foot one guy in your team, the fans are gonna be mad about it the next game. I don't care what city it is. Yeah, I don't know, Boston, man. <laughs> So I don't know. What did we solve? Do we solve anything? Do we, we sound, do we sound like two old men there? No, we don't sound like two I, old I, men. I want to cover. Like I feel bad when I get mad because I start going like, "What is this, Ryan? You're gonna have a problem with all these different superstars now? Like, what are you doing? Like, if this guy isn't good enough for you, who is good? No, like, I think you're only I think, gonna like Curry now. Like, what what are you doing? And then I feel guilty about it because there's so many of these guys. I love their games and I love the moments that you know, the entertainment and all that stuff. But I just think there's this real nasty, almost dangerous detachment between the refs all suck in their eyes, but they screw up everything as players. And then of course they're wrong all the time, but nobody ever brings that up. And then the media, although they can be ridiculous and brutal. And sometimes I think just, they sound ridiculous on the media side. And I understand why the players don't like them. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really want to choose a side in this whole thing. That was the whole reason I brought it up because I look at, I look at topics like this, I would say 19 out of 20 times that I'm like, I have a take on this. I have an opinion. There's one of two ways I can go. I feel this way. And in this case, I'm kind of against both sides of it. I think the way that we cover sports from a day-to-day basis needs to just change and evolve. And it just hasn't, it stayed the same. And I think even the beat writer guys that we know, I think would agree with that. It's like, why I've talked to them about it. Why do we do this this way? I don't know. I don't understand it, but this is the only way that I, it's a lot about, I want to make sure somebody else doesn't get something I don't want to get, which I totally identify with. Um, the point is, I just don't think we learned that much. I don't think it's interesting and I would like to see it evolve and I have no answers. Ryan, how do you think this segment went? Uh, I think I got a little intense there, but you know, that's just the way I play. Talk about preparing for a podcast. You know, there's pens. <laughs> you can't do it without the pens. Paper's a huge part. I bought a one subject mead at the Rite Aid down the street. That's a true story. Um, you know, came in, Thought maybe we were getting takeout, but then it was leftovers, but it was really good because it was filet. Great leftovers. It's unbelievable. I was afraid about how the beans thing was going to go when I turned those down, but all in all, I mean, I don't know. I was Ryan, ready. I was ready. Ryan, when you talk about those leftovers, uh, what what impressed you about the steak? Well, a lot of people cook steaks. We know that, right? A lot of people out there got different styles and you know, there's just this thing more and more as you get older. It's like if you're over 30 and you don't like it raw, you're a loser. And this thing still had its flavor. It still had a little coloring in there, but it was cooked through. And uh, I'm not kidding. I was like, setting I, you up for the last two for you to say next question to one of those. I really thought that was- I wanted I, to say next question. Yeah, but I, I thought I, it was I, well, just like, sitting there for you. We could edit out that because it wasn't even that funny. I disagree. I enjoyed the hell you out of it. We're funny? not ending it. Yeah, I love it. I think press conferences are the fucking dumbest things ever. Um, 
Let's take a quick break to talk about some Ringer podcast. Dual Threat with Ryan Rossillo. You're doing it this week, right? Oh, yeah. Draft week. Yeah, draft week. We're doing a mock seven-rounder in reverse. So, what? I like it. Yeah, That's like, great. I was just, how can I shake up the game? I was looking around at all the different content people. Backwards mock draft. Yep. Excellent. So we have that. If we have the... Uh, and supplemental picks. We're launching on Luminary, which Luminary launches on... Uh, April 23rd, Luminary Premium. If you want to check out The Rewatchables 1999, we picked 15 movies from 1999. We've already done a couple of 1999 movies on The Rewatchables feed. We picked 15 for all different reasons, basically based on what was going on in 1999. And we're doing this little thing. We're doing ten, a 10-episode 10 run and then another five-episode run. But if you want to sign up for Luminary, check it out at uh, luminary.link slash Bill Simmons. Or, yeah, use that one. That'll be a great one. Um, what is my other option, though? What do you mean? I thought or, well, there's you could do a rewatchables if oh, you okay. want. Luminary.link slash rewatchables. And then uh, Binge Mode Wednesday Night Game of Thrones. That's coming up, too. And then all the awesome podcasts. We have Ringer NBA Show. I think I'm going to go on the Ringer NBA Show Thursday night, actually. So keep that on your radar as well. All right. A couple more things for us to hit that I had on the agenda. Uh, round two, fuck, Mary kill. Warriors, Rockets, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Raps. Yeah, no prep. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait yeah, a minute. fuck, Mary kill. Warriors, Rockets, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Raps. Uh, well, I, I'm going to marry Warriors, Rockets. That's how I feel as well. Right. Um, who would I just want to maybe bring somewhere for a weekend? <laughs> What would it be like? Oh, wow. You live right around the corner? I didn't know that. Um, I would say, give me... I just want to know what the Celtics team actually looks like right now. I think they're the yeah. kill option. Even as much as not for me because I'm a Celtics fan, but just in general, I think Sixers raps will be... Yeah, here. but I want to see what's going on there because I don't know. I want to fuck Sixers raps just because <laughs> I can't... I, that series could go all kinds of ways. I like yeah, the matchup. Like t- it's weird. Bucks Celtics. I don't really want to kill any of them, dude. Well, here's my fear with Bucks Celtics. The Pacers aren't good. No. Um, a lot of Wesley Matthews, like a lot. A lot of Darren Collison, some Corey Joseph. Sabonis, Sabonis not showing up. Yeah. They just really had trouble getting offense. Nate McMillan didn't seem to realize that um, Tyreek Evans just spread out and set him a pick and just let him go to the basket and try to change things around and the you Celtics always find a way to blame a coach yeah sometimes Every, sometimes Bill why do you always find a way to blame a coach well you know coaching's hard obviously and, uh, Bill it's something about you and coaches talk <laughs> about that um, I think that Celt- that series came at the perfect time for a Celtics team that actually had their rotation in line for the first you were on time this. in 90 games I'm giving you credit Listen, you called this on the market. I wrote Marger. about this in my book 10 years ago because I was always fascinated. I think I wrote a column about ES- on ESPN Magazine like 07, 08. You used about to write? When I used to write, back before I retired. The Rockets won 22 games once. And they won during the- with this really goofy seven to eight man rotation. And it was like basically T-Mac. Yao Ming was there for a couple games. Then Dikembe came and Yao Ming got hurt. They kept winning. Dikembe comes in. It was like... Chuck Evans, 
Rafer Alston, but they had eight guys and it was just eight guys that played well together. Chuck Hayes. Yeah. Who's Chuck Evans? I don't know. Sounds good though. Yeah. Eight guys that just, they knew their roles. They had a best guy. Everybody knew how many minutes they were playing. And I think this is something over and over again that gets forgotten with the NBA is that you only need eight guys. And maybe the ninth guy plays six minutes. Like Daniel Tice played six minutes today. But for the first time all season, Hayward, Jalen Brown, Tatum, all playing the right amount of minutes. All in the 30s. All of them have talked about how they need minutes to be comfortable. And it's like, it makes sense. Because if you've ever played basketball, you just like to be out there. You're getting a rhythm. You're not looking over your shoulder, seeing if the next sub's for you, all that stuff. And as much as I love Marcus Smart, and I think when he comes back, he probably takes the Rozier minutes if he comes back. I still think him getting injured, my big hope with it was that it was going to open up this eight-man rotation that kind of where they should have landed all along. They were just afraid not to play Rozier. They didn't want to bury him. I think they actually should have buried him. I think it would have made the team better. Now they had these eight. Everybody's playing enough minutes. And they have some momentum now. Unfortunately, the Bucks are a thousand times better than the Pacers. And Smart was the best guy on the team to guard Chris Middleton, unless Jalen and Hayward can step up. During this season, Smart was the best guy against him. They were really good collectively in a way that it just hasn't felt in a while. And I think the Hayward thing is the most promising because it's not the numbers. Because if you just dig into the numbers, you'd be like, wait a minute, you know, just a bunch of shots there. Aggressive. You'd you'd have to watch him all year long to see what he's looked like. And this is a carryover to the end of the regular season. But as I always hammer home, this end of the regular season thing can screw you up. It really can screw you up. Like I look at this Jazz team, and I imagine at some point we'll get to that. They're down 3 0. Down 3-0 against a Houston team, which I think is somewhat overlooked on how special they've been statistically since the All-Star break. They're the number two defense. Their net rating is number one. Like Houston's been on this roll. And I thought, like, well, Utah figured it out if you're going 21 and 21. And then I went through after I was like, hey man, look at their record after 21 and 21. But then I went through it again and looked at the teams they beat. I'm like, that's unbelievable how long they went without having to really beat anybody that good. Last year with Philadelphia. They're about 500. They add a couple other pieces and they go on this run. And it's like, well, half the league is resting and the other half is trying to lose games. Like this stretch can screw you up. So with Gordon Hayward, you know, he's, it wasn't a really long stretch. It goes back to maybe that San Antonio game. He the was, first time I really... Like 30 minutes. The and, first time I really noticed it was that Miami game when he was just attacking. And I, and I think, you know, unless you were an NBA junkie, you just didn't watch a lot of Utah Hayward. And I don't think people really realized how athletic he used to be. And you see it now. His whole game is drive attack or pull up three. And that's what he does. And he's just like attack, 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 go to the rim, attack the rim. That's what he's good at. And it's Because he's kind of big. You know, yeah. he's actually like sneaky, a big guy. And then you add in the Tatum's fourth quarter in Boston where you're going, wait a minute. And then Jalen's passing up three. Because Tatum was passing up jumpers and going to the basket finally. Right. And the ball's like, moving better. Yeah. You remember you were the old, you're the youngest guy in NBA history to score 20 points or more in four straight playoff games. Like and that's the reason we were, we were so excited about you. And they're running back and they're running off rebounds more, but you know, they're getting the rebounds. But look helps. at, look at game four and they're sweeping the Pacers. They, Kyrie wasn't even in the top five in scoring at the close. I don't know how it ended up closing. If you ended up in top five, Horford shot it awful, but it was okay. So where Kyrie has has bailed them out of so many games, I feel like this happened in the regular season. We don't need to get into all the personal stuff. There's something that's really promising about what we just saw. 
But yes, I also still don't know because I kind of think that Pacers team is borderline a playoff team. And when Oladipo went down with the main injury, they were 31 and 15. I know they'd won a bunch of games when he had missed time earlier. So their overall record with Oladipo is like 500. But when he was gone, gone, they were a blow 500 team. And, you know, it's pretty simple from a basketball standpoint. Like who, what was the thing they did on offense that scared you? Oh, okay, nothing. Bogdanovich? It, w- it would have been spreading out Tyreek Evans, but they barely did that. Tyreke, yeah, they weren't scared. Tyreek actually felt like the only guy that was like ready for a fight in game four. It was the perfect but- perfect opponent for the Celtics team. They have some good momentum with the whole Kyrie locker room thing because I, I do think he fell on the sword. I think he realized he was acting just kind of crazy and has made a concerted effort to say and do the right things and not cause the distraction, which... Unfortunately, now, going back to what we talked about earlier, it's so easy to cause a distraction now. He's kind of realized, all right, I'm just not doing that anymore. So that helped. But Hayward's Hayward's uh, playmaking, he's just fun to play with when he's playing like that. You know, He just seems like in pickup, he would be fun to play with. He was great. The ball moves. It, he it, doesn't care if he shoots. Getting other guys involved. Yeah. Like Utah ran their offense through him, and you kept thinking like, man, if Hayward ever had a second guy in it's Utah. It's like a point forward almost. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So now if he's playing really good passer. 34 minutes a game, and then Brown's, uh, Brown's two-way game has been really good now for, I would say, three months. Horford is rounded into playoff Horford for him. And uh, Rogier is... is the eighth man on this team and that's somebody he would have played 35 minutes a game for indiana you know he so, would have been their guy he would have been so heading shots. into this milwaukee series on the one hand you say they finally figured it out here we go and then the other hand it's like such a dramatic difference between milwaukee and indiana it's like night and day and they don't have home court they uh they don't really have anyone to guard Giannis, but nobody does i mean Horford, they can build the wall and do all that stuff Middleton's the problem. They have to figure out how to take out Middleton because he killed them last year. He kills them all the time. And that is where, that is where it's funny with Hayward, everybody's talking about the offense. It's the defense where they really need him because they need Jalen and they need Horford to slow down Chris Middleton. And if they do, it'll be a series, I think. I just, I, I, you know, watching them all year and to see people after these four Pacers games going up, Knew they'd figure it out. They were doing it after game two. It's like they're supposed to win at home and first two games. They were eight point favorites each yeah, game. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm not gonna fall into that trap that goes, I think they can get Milwaukee now. I'm just not. I gotta see, I gotta see this version of it against Milwaukee. But again, you know, if you watch these games, like look at the Denver. I know we're gonna spend a ton of time in Denver, San Antonio, because I'm still kind of lost on that one, but those games have been entirely different. I know what's happened individually, Jamal Murray and his story, the up and downness of it. Milwaukee may come out and run them ragged or game one, Boston. They're going to have so much time off, by the way. Um, yeah, that from what I'm hearing, that game one isn't going to be until Sunday. The earliest would be Saturday. So you yeah, think it's Sunday? I think it's huh? Sunday. It needs to be Sunday, Tuesday. So, yeah, I mean, you get a week off. That's great for the Celtics. But Milwaukee's going to end up sweeping, I would imagine. Yeah. On, on Monday. That's done. That's a that's a goner. So could I see Milwaukee winning four to one? Absolutely. I think if it if it they're up three two going into game six in Boston, it's a Friday night probably. The crowd will be great. And you know, 
for for as it, as fucking frustrating as Kyrie is, and you know, multiple times I said on the pod, I was ready to drive that dude to the airport. Like I just like <laughs> this is just not enjoyable to root for you day in and day out. Yeah. But now that you're in the playoffs and you really see like there's seven guys who know what they're doing, like who really know what they're doing game after game is like I can I know what shot I can get at all points of every game. He's one of the seven, and. They got through all the shit with him, and now they're here, and they're three rounds away, and this is when you want them. There are little reminders throughout. How many these. guys? How many oh, guys? No, no, Seven. I'm, look, I'm, you're with me. I'm, I'm not. No, but no. Let's make the list right now. Durant, Curry, Durant, Curry, Harden. Um, I think Kawhi. I think Dame's on there. I think Kawhi's on there too. Would you put Embiid on there yet? No, because I think Embiid has – man, I love that guy, and he was filthy in that last game. But he can be susceptible to a second defender coming over just because of his size. His it's, passing it's, was really good in this Brooklyn right. series. But it's hard for him just from his size standpoint to navigate all the shit in a broken-down possession. Yeah. Like, guys will send second guys, and sometimes he'll get a little caught up. I mean, really what he is, is he's the guy that's supposed to mess up the defense, but it, depending on where he's starting with the basketball, say like less than a minute to go and it's a tie game, that's not always easy for the big guy. It just isn't. So it's not really even a knock on him. So it's it doesn't, hard. really doesn't seem like he's in shape. He's always he's tired. Hurt, he's always tired. I mean, he's like games. falling down tired. You know how they sub games. him out too. They give him that break in the fourth. Yeah. And then they bring him back in. And in the last game, I was like, all right, how is this going to So play Kawhi out? definitely... Kawhi's underrated when it comes to this. And I think I'll, Dame definitely. Dame, Kawhi. Would Durant, you put either Curry, OKC guy Harden. in this list? I would not. Over Kyrie and getting a really nice look at the rim nope. in the playoffs? No. And LeBron is not playing because he's. Well, I, th I thought. He's we prepping to put, Space Jam, too. <laughs> I thought we were just doing playoff guys. I'm just saying in the league. Chris Paul still can get wherever he wants. Whoa! I'm telling you. I got to say, Chris Paul has looked pretty good, but I, I also think it's easier when you can pick your spots six times a game versus yeah, he doesn't have to the do burden it. of, oh, shit, I have, to, straight minutes. Yeah, I have to yeah. shoot 28 shots today. Kyrie's been playing 37 minutes pretty consistently. So, yeah, look, I think we'll know a lot game one, game two. And for Grandy always talks about this. Weirdly, the Celtics team are more liable to do a stinker at home than on the road, and I have no explanation for it. The crowd like just gets bummed out sometimes, and maybe that'll change. Now we're getting into these last rounds. Philly, Brooklyn, you were upset about the ejection. You used a swear. I did. Twitter. I swore on Twitter. I just like, come on, that's not a double ejection. If anything, like eject Embiid because for the second time in three games, he's fucking <laughs> nailed somebody. Wait a and minute. Then, wait a minute. Well, I think it looked bad. Eh. So, so we back up the whole thing on the on the Jared Allen play. I can see where Dudley thought. He just tried to decapitate Jared Allen. Because well, he had okay? two days ago, he whistled an elbow right in his head. And that's the thing about the Embiid thing that I don't think he understands. Or maybe he does understand. Or the Embiid defender. Like the Embiid thing, that's all connected. You can't go out there and bloody up a dude and then laugh about and it in an apology it, that is, you were a dick about it. And yeah. I love Embiid, but he was a prick about the whole thing. So now Dudley's role, because he knows who he is. I'm, I'm like the old head out here. I got to just... I loved it from Dudley. So Dudley had to do that because he felt like, I, did he just knock Allen down again? Because he doesn't see it. And now on the replay, 
I think Embiid kind of went with those swipes where it's like, if I get the ball, great. If I don't, you know, I'm also going to jack you up. I don't here. think anybody should have been thrown out, but if I had to rank them, I would have put Embiid first. But, but I, think, I don't think it was a, a flagrant either. I, it just, look, the two shoves were not throw outable. That was no, absolutely I, don't you think insane. That's, yeah, but in today's thing where if anybody lands wrong or their head is hit and then it ends up being a flagrant oh i, I, almost, I, I feel like the nba is like if this is spilling into the stands even if it wasn't even that nasty like we gotta get some guys out of the game it's the playoffs you, you don't mess around you don't just eject guys in playoff games unless there's a phenomenal reason i'm against it the weird thing about the, the, the trade-off there like butler oh we lost butler and they only lost dudley and you're like yeah but this is the whole point of the sixers but, is that one of those four guys is going to be invisible offensively anyway if so you could you could still survive without butler if brooklyn had gone to levert down the stretch they would have won they forgot he was on the team he for the best last four player? minutes he's their he's their best matchup in the series russell has been like jamal murray very hit or miss and uh it's almost like philly didn't know how good levert was in the beginning i'm like what how are you guys not you know what i like about his game there's a herky-jerky like 1970s feel to it where a lot of doug moe it, it's like he's driving in the basket, he's stopping, then he's going again, then he's stopping, then he's like going in for a layup. But it's it's very disjointed, but intentionally. There's no, there's no. It, Pierce was good at this too. Where Pierce would Ginobili, yeah, well, yeah, but Ginobili would have like weird crossovers, and but Pierce had that weird herky jerky, trying to keep you off balance. You thought he stopped, and now he's going again, and I, that's what I like about Levert. I like Levert in general. I've been so impressed with him and just be this guy that's inexperienced and being like, all right, I got this, I got this. Because you know, that's that's one of the things with all these playoff series where I'll look around and be like, okay, what's Owundu doing with the magic? Like, what are we doing there? And then right. they stop playing him. And you're like, Oh, maybe I'm really smart. Why is Kurutz in the game? Like what what's the what's the point of Poor starting Kurtz. him? He was really good when he started playing. And then but, but the last couple of months he's been bad. It's been terrible. And then clearly Atkinson's like, okay, you know, if I have Dinwiddie and Levert, like I can use one of those guys and I'll get I'll get Damari out of there because it looks like Damari, who at times is a nice switchable defensive player, hit some threes. He's just not hitting them now. But I never try to sit there and, and say, oh, as, as I'm at home going, hey, that substitution's wrong. This guy's stupid for playing this many minutes. Because we, we don't really know. Well, I bet on Brooklyn game four, and I was like, what? Just give the ball to Karis LeVert? What are you doing? Yeah. Just he's Every time he has the ball, he gets a good shot. Whether he makes it or not, it's always a good shot. But I think it's always harder for the other guys when they're so used to the way they would want to close a game. It's always Russell. Yeah, I get yeah. It. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You, know, you were gone, and like Russell's had a really good year. So I think it's hard sometimes, like even a Damari Carroll, you'll notice where he goes, well, I'm getting a shot up. Like right. I'm not taking zero shots. In- this is tough because I really thought they could have tied the series and I think they should have after Butler went out. And uh, they're left on the table. I think they could absolutely win game five there. I don't think they're going to win the series, but I, I think they've played them pretty evenly. This one's more personal for you, though, because you were hinting at it when our preview pod. I just wanted Brooklyn. it to be a fun series, but no, I was. I still think it's been a fun series. As to a me, Celtics fan, I wanted Philly to get knocked out. I was hoping Brooklyn would beat them in the series. This has been the one. Other than I think Portland OKC is the one I look forward to the most, but this is the one I look forward to second most for whatever reason. Because I still find Philly fascinating. I actually think I think Philly Brooklyn's number one for me because I think Philly is one of the most fun weirdo playoff teams. Absolutely, we've had. yeah. I, the Embiid fucking Bogdanovich uh, Boyan coming in. 
No, who's Boyan, actually uh, Boban? Boban, who's was terrible. I'm sorry, it's eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> Boban was so bad. Like Boban, does Boban get the biggest pass of any individual player in the NBA? Well, he'll make I, like two ten footers. People Boban are like Boban could just go into the corner, start taking a piss and a free throw, <laughs> yeah. and guys would be like, "That guy's so good on oh, Twitter." Man. Love he Boban, Toby and Bobby. He's in John Wick three. <laughs> For real, he can't. He, hand, he cannot hang on to the basketball. And I thought actually thought he was pretty bad. I love. For him in the last I love game. like. They're completely, completely ill-equipped to guard basically anybody like of the Spencer Dinwiddie to Kyrie level of I can I can get to my spot. I'm a but guard. how is that possible? How can Jimmy Butler not be one of those guys? Because he's six foot seven. He can't guard. He's not gonna be able to guard Kyrie. Oh no no Kyrie, but Karis. Um, but even Spen- Karis, you should Spencer be able to- Dinwiddie. By the way, if Harris plays well in that game four, the Nets win by ten. He missed every. He had wide open shots that whole game. I think Philly is really, really sneaky bad defensively, and uh, and if Toronto has their shit together, I would I would give them the advantage in that next series. And that's before we get to the coaching. I meant to look that up because um... I just think you get good shots against Philly and Embiid. Embiid makes a huge difference with the rim protection. Like there's what about no question. Him being hurt? Huh? What about hurt, not hurt? Isn't Embiid? that weird? Yeah, because I mean, think of how good he was. He was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's special. I think in game he's four. I but, think he has a sore knee, and I think he's out of shape. Is but, he ever? But okay, but he's definitely not hurt because he put up like thirty-five and seventeen yeah. in that game. And then again, he can't be, be hurt. Like, yeah, but then he sat out of game, so it's not like he's one hundred percent. But either. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's sore. I think he's not one hundred percent. But hurt to me is like. How is this guy playing? How is this guy out there? He's not. He you never know how felt many like shots that. Joe Harris took in Game Four. How I, many? Knew, I, I knew he was missing everything. I can't believe somebody wasn't like, "Hey, Joe, congrats on that three point contest, but fucking pass the ball." What? What was it? He was four fourteen, zero for six from three. He killed them. All six of those God. shots were wide open. Do you know in that that Utah game? On Saturday night. He's shooting 19% from three. He hasn't made a three in three. He went two, excuse me, three for four in game one. Joe Harris since then in 26, 29 and 35 minutes is over two, over four, over six. He hasn't hit a three pointer in a week. He's been fucking horrible. I, that's what I'm saying to you. Like I, they're not even and Russell has been bad too. And they're still in these games. So, you know, Mitchell was, uh, Everyone made such a big deal about how hard and sucked on Saturday night. Mitchell missed 17 of his last 21 in game four. He was terrible. And Corver had some nice things to say about him after, which I thought were, uh, he, he had this long speech about yeah, everybody what an unbelievable it. teammate Mitchell is and how he, he really, really wants to be the guy. And it was really, it, it was one of those file away because if Corver's this passionate about it, he really must think this guy's great. But he played like a 21-year-old in that second half. Yeah, I watched it because I watched the game, and then I went back and watched it again the first and fourth quarter because I wanted to focus in on the Harden stuff. I just basically bragged. Yeah, Um, that was great. Sorry. Like sitting here this morning watching Trailblazers Grizzlies again, I didn't know what they were doing on these switches, but this is amazing. You know, you like tweet that out (laughs) like 7 a.m. Like, oh, just just running through how they shade the screen. Um, That's some of my favorite Twitter. Yeah, because it's just all you're doing is really, you just want everyone to know that you put this much effort in and, and you're doing it. I've done it, so whatever. It's, it's, I just did it. I just did it. Uh, it's the way, the way Jared Allen was shading on the high screens was a new look for Kenny Atkinson. 
I got to tell you, the way Mehmet Okor sets up at the elbow, <laughs> watch him on horns. All right. Uh, what the hell were we talking about? Oh, uh, Mitchell. Mitchell kind of kept him in it. Like, it's a close game in game four. Yeah. But even though they put up some points, Utah, I'm never going to like a team with one score. And Me neither. their three-point shooters were terrible on those. I don't know what the numbers are. Maybe, But I feel like watching it, I'm like, is everybody going to miss every corner three here in, in this game and then to close out the game? And yeah, Harden was 0 for 15, but he's still collapsing you defensively on those lobs, which I don't really know what the hell anybody's supposed to do for. And Mitchell also, you know, he'll force it because I think he looks around and be like, what am I supposed to do? Like Rubio's going to miss another one, a little jingle juice here from outside. And they're trying to mimic the kind of Mitchell... They're trying to do their own Harden Capella thing with Gobert sometimes on those Mitchell drives, but then Mitchell will get caught in between defensively, and I'll just look at Utah and go, you know, why? I thought they'd get a game or two maybe because that's just how series work. But Houston's at this level now that I don't want to say it's overlooked, but I watch them and go, if they beat Golden State, even though I'll pick Golden State because I just will, it's I don't know. Is it going to be a surprise? Are you going to be surprised if Houston beats Golden State? No, because I already bet on Houston. Well, there you go. I, I I think they're going to beat Golden State, and I said this to you on the podcast a week ago. I think they. You have said best. think. I think they're going to beat Golden State. In so you're two. picking them. You're going to be picking. Them. I picked them last week. I've okay. picked them the whole time. I think they're. Did gonna, I really? Did you do that in the pod? Was I not paying attention at that you point? You probably were zoning out. The Rockets are now six to one, which is still crazy to me. It feels like it should be four to one. I think two teams can win the title, and those are the two. It sucks it's in the second round. Does it suck? <laughs> Does it? I kind of like it. I think this round two is really epic. epic. I love all four of those series. It's going to be incredible. And Denver, by the way, if it's Denver-Portland, yeah. that's going to be a really fun series. It's going to be up and down. I'm going to have no feel for it. It's going to be like the Spurs-Nuggets series, which has also been really fun. And anybody who gambles on this has a gambling problem. Because none, no feel. Seriously, don't gamble on Spurs Nuggets. Game to game, you, nobody has any idea. The players on the court have no idea what's going to happen. No, because when you're watching it, you go, oh, wait a minute, Derek White. So you're adding this to two primary scorers in Aldridge and DeRozan. And then Jamal Murray sucks. Oh, no, he's awesome. <laughs> oh, no, he's like, Derek White. Oh, he's, he's this, this is the guy. And then he's like eight points in game four. And you didn't even know he was out there. He's the 36 in game three. And yeah. And everybody's going nuts about it. I'm like, right. God, is he going to suck in game four? Like, you just feel it. <laughs> I started watching being like, what makes him so good? I'm like, oh, look at how he drives away from the Aldridge screen that brings two defenders now. And he's perfect. He's I, he's actually, now, he doesn't technically qualify for a little more athletic than you think. But yeah. I feel like some guys look at his haircut and go, that's the greatest haircut in the NBA. There's some haircut profile. So some guys look at him and go, there's no fucking way this guy's dribbling around me. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think that's what happened in game three. Quickly. I, I open this up to Twitter. We'd rather have best of five or best of seven. Round one, 75% of the people would rather have best of five. Now, I'd love the first round to be shorter. Uh, shorten it. But do you know when they gonna... changed this? Do you remember? Uh, 2003. Yeah. Still unclear why they changed it other than uh, just being fucking greedy. Yeah. But see, these it just, things, it was though, just like pure, whenever, unadulterated greed. Whenever anybody says shorten the season or let's do this, or let's do whenever it's, hey, they don't want to do it because they don't want to lose the money they make from it. Like, I don't want to have these debates. I do can't. you realize how rich these owners are and, and how much their investments in the teams have gone up? Do you understand how everybody, works? In the, everybody, every owner they have 
has had their investment gone up by between like three and 10 times. Yeah, I get it. So I actually have an issue when it's like, oh, they need that extra game. So you're telling the businessman who's been this successful to actually own a team that he's supposed to just hit a cap on like all these these things. I actually have a much more rational argument for you. It's actually bad for the league to do it this way because um, the games are just less interesting, unfortunately. And a lot of the series end early anyway. And by the by the end of game three, you know where half the series are going. I actually looked it up. What do we want from the first round? We'd like a little less predictability, right? Well, um, last year, only one non-top four seed won. That was the Pelicans. They swept the Blazers. Year before, there was one non-top four. Year before, same thing. Uh, year before, two. Like, I go down the line. There's not a lot. Last year, we had two four to three series. Year before we had one. Year before we had two. Um, year before we had two. Like the the whole thing about, oh yeah, you know, they they need those extra games. We never end up playing the extra games. You know what would be cool? A really exciting series. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons they're afraid to do it is because a couple of times we've had some one eight situations where it's like the eight seed shouldn't have the advantage of they split on the road and all of a sudden they have a chance to finish the series at home. Here's the easy solution. If you're the one seed in either conference, you get four of the five games at home. You get one, two, four, and five at home. That's that's your victory prize for winning the one seed. Other than that, we're going best of five. And if we go on best of five in this whole thing, Brooklyn wins game one, and now they have a chance to like finish Philly off in three and four, I'm just more interested. Celtics are in the finals last year. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but like you with these series, you knew Boston... Indiana was over after two games. You knew Milwaukee, Detroit was over after one game. I was knew that before it tipped. You knew Houston, Utah was over. I think after two games. Two games, yeah, I'll give you two games because I like, mean they steamrolled them. We so. don't need like we don't need a best four out of seven, five out of eight, eight series basically. So I would do that. I would go back to the old way. I would do best of five, and I would give the one seeds an extra home game in the first round. I'm all for it, but every time anybody does the hey, we should re jig the entire playoff thing so that it's 16 teams instead of eight from each. And you're like, okay, but you have to get what, 22 or 24 owners to vote for that. So that means you're never going to get it because half the owners are going to be in the East. You're never going to get enough of those votes to change that. So stop arguing about it. Hey, we should have less games. The season should be shorter. Okay. Well, they don't want to give away that money. Stop arguing about it. So they're not going to give this up, except I totally agree with you because I think some of these matchups are so painful. So here's why I think they will give it up because the ratings are down for these first rounds because the series suck. Okay, but they're going to argue that it's LeBron. They're going to say a bunch of different factors. I I do not, I don't, when it's a one-year sample of ratings going down, that is not the time to start trying to tweak everything. I think they were down last year too, though, first round. I thought they weren't. I don't don't know. know. I don't know what These series are bad. Um, I would like something to be done. Last thing, and then... Uh, Write a letter. Last thing, Barkley had his top five before before the last game. Yep. His number one guy was LeBron. Number two guy was Durant. Number three guy was Giannis. Number four guy was Kawhi, and his number five guy was Harden. I thought that list was batshit crazy. But then I thought, oh, this is actually a cool one for like who are the best five players in the league right now that you would take in a playoff series. LeBron would not be my number one, FYI. But uh, I actually think I would go with Harden. One. Yeah, I think I would. I think he's the best player in the league right now. 
the fact that he sucked on Saturday night and his team has so much confidence now and they knew he would rally around a little bit in the fourth quarter and still figure it out and he hit the biggest shot of the game. I, he's my number one. What's up with that doggy style defense Utah was going with there? I did the, the, <laughs> that was a little weird. I think Giannis was the best regular season player, but I want to see him do it in playoffs. That's I want totally to see him fair. do it against a team that has played him six to seven times in a row over a two-week span and is exploiting every foible and weakness that his game has. I want to see it. So you're picking Harden even with the Clippers comeback dud, the San Antonio dud, and the can't make I a shot I just think he's at the peak Golden of his State. powers right now. That's who you just picked is the guy you trust the most in a playoff game. That well, that's a, that's me. a fair point. Yeah. No, playoff series. If series, I had to, whatever. If I had to win a playoff series right now and I had equal teams on you both sides. You picked the guy that has absolute flameouts and was 0 for 15. <laughs> that's what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> he was terrific at the end of the game. So you kind of knew I was at a buddy's house and we were watching it and I said, all right, how many how many points do you think he gets in the fourth quarter? We set the over under at eight and a half and he smashed it. The other uh, one I was thinking was Durant. Durant, what he did against the Clippers. Because he has the resume been, of it. The Clippers have been so... Uh, impressive, not impressive, I guess. Well, no, they're impressive because that's not a very good team. And yet they they show up thinking they're going to beat the Warriors every night they play them. And it's hilarious. And they came back game two. They get smashed in game three, which is what I expected. And game four was... I went to game three. It was grisly. I know. I was thinking about going to that one too. It was, it was, was 11 to four in like one minute. Was there any Durant no. thing that you got to see live that you hadn't noticed before? Was there any new Bill Simmons... I've anecdote. seen him live so many times. Now I'm going to flip my pick. I almost feel like the more I talk about it, I'm like, ah, it should be Durant. I just love the way Harden's played all year. But the thing with Durant this time, it's the it's the array of shots that he hits. Like Harden's doing a variation of four things every time, right? Durant can post you up. He can pull up three. He can do like the little pull-up jumper that he has. He can drive to the basket. Harden's got the better handle, though. And sometimes when Durant drives into a crowd, it's a little bit earlier on the Embiid stuff. Like, I worry about a seven-foot-one guy driving where that's when you can be smaller. Like, this is going to sound dumb, and it had, Kemba's not my pick. But I'm convinced now that Kemba is as good as he is because he's so small. We'll save that for our Hornets podcast <laughs> for this summer. It's for <laughs> August. But that, what was cool is he just hit, every shot he hit was a little bit different. And you're picking Durant then because I'm picking Durant. But the Warriors as a team. I like the way Harden's playing more this year. I, I honestly think this is Harden's year. I really do. I really deeply feel you it. You think he's going to be holding up that trophy? I think the Rockets are going to win the title this year. You know what really funny do. too is, is the correction that'll happen. <laughs> be like, well, he was tired against the Spurs and that Clippers team. And, and, uh, I, think, I think he's got it this year. I think he's the guy. And I think will you root? This is what I asked Daryl. Will you root for Harden against Giannis in the NBA Finals? Well, oh, you already man. bet on it, so you're not the right guy to ask. Yeah, I'd be rooting for the Rockets in that sense. What if you had no money on it and you're just at home and you're thinking about basketball? Well, I don't you like was the, this gatekeeper of thought and legacies. The irony <laughs> is, I don't really like the way the Rockets play, so I'm always rooting against them. Like I was even rooting. I'm for telling Utah. you right now. I'm just going to let everybody know. Yeah, I will be rooting really hard for the Bucks. Say Eric Bledsoe, you're hitching your wagon to the whole Brooke deal. Lopez. DJ yeah. Wilson. Mm. Um, hey, let's talk about the difference between working hard and working smart. I like to work hard. Sometimes I work smart. I'm telling you, all the Rockets are going to win the title this year. 
that's a product of me working hard and working smart. It was a combo. They have the look. I asked Daryl Morey, I was like, how are the other players regard Harden? Because I think this is a really important little detail. Do the other players, is there a reverence about how did well the guys playing? Did you ask him that playing? question on the I did. Podcast? I asked him that. You should and, do sideline. And he... <laughs> And he was like, actually, I am starting to hear like the guy, the way the guys talk about him, it's starting to get that feel. So, yeah. Somebody um, asked me the other night about him uh, and it was, uh, it was somebody in, in sports, an important person. And he goes, is he, what's his deal? Harden. He goes, he, he a turd. And I went, you know what? I go, I think there was a time that that was kind of the consensus on him, but I'll be honest, I don't really hear that anymore. Works his ass off. Yeah. He's added yeah. something to his game every it was year. It's a very pro Harden comment. He sounds like somebody ZipRecruiter would have identified. Their technology oh. and tools make hiring more efficient and effective. Imagine how quick he'd get hired. Smartest way to get hired. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. The tech doesn't just stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like. Invites more to apply. ZipRecruiter so effective. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. My listeners could try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right. This is always the best part of the podcast. When we're a little groggy, we're doing mailbag questions and we do Game of Thrones. And there's a lot of Game of Thrones stuff. We're going to save that for the end. Want to talk about some Tiger zigzags, which we brought up last week after the Masters. And I asked you, we're in the sports sports business. (laughs) Nobody, it's there's never a 100% zig couple stragglers have to zag. Yeah. What's going to be the zag? I asked you. We couldn't really come up with a good one. A couple of readers said, uh, Mark from Madison emailed, you want a hot take? How about the Masters is the least impressive or meaningful major for Tiger to have won? Congrats, Tiger. You're good at this one fucking golf course. Try winning elsewhere. That was a good zag. Uh, and then Alec from Greenville, North Carolina said, what about comparing him to Jack? As in, Jack would never go 10 years without a major. Oh, that would have been the that history, would have been really that's good. A good on one. A, just a sports talk show, not just, like a column, not the New Yorker. Yeah. Right. That would have been a good one to throw on first take at like hour two. The history books will show that Tiger isn't as dominant as people think. So that would have been good, though, though comparing Jack. Uh, Sarah Spain at ESPN figured out a pretty good zag. She did this Never whole, saw this one coming. She did this whole thing about uh, we're all we're all idolizing what Tiger did here at the Masters, but that shouldn't excuse his behavior from ten years ago. And wrote this big piece about you know he did uh, he was cheated on his wife and all these things that you know he ended up apologizing for. But we shouldn't forget that he did that. I'm good with all that stuff. He's a yeah. flawed dude. I saw the terms of the divorce and I was I was okay. Now, with look, that the, he hit rock bottom. He was completely humiliated. He was a national pariah. Um, his marriage completely blew up. He embarrassed himself with his family and his kids. He had to go and do a press conference because he couldn't stop side piece action. He and in front of his mom. You imagine he can hit you rock bottom in you had, seven different ways. If you had to do a presser in front of your mom, being like Perkins waitress, sorry. You know, like, so I, I don't, I didn't quite, and it wasn't just out of that corner. It was just, it started to float out there. I, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. And I went, oh, so this is the thing where this was the Zach. Because he's, he's won the ma- the masters. I should just, I should make sure I remind myself in the enjoyment of his redemption. That he's that, a human being with he, major foibles. That he made some mistakes. Yeah. 
Um, Ryan Erickson sent us an email. Magic is a tampering machine. Last summer, the NBA warned him with the conspiracy bill. Paul George there, he didn't stop. Maybe he ratcheted up a minute. Who does, who knows? Maybe, maybe he stepped up a level. Now the NBA was forced to step back in with an ultimatum. Magic can step down or heavy fines along with draft pick forfeiture for all the tampering for Magic. The result? Magic stepped down without giving a real reason, and the Lakers avoid getting hammered. What are your thoughts, conspiracy bill? I like it. First of all, did ja- you write jealous. this to yourself? No. First of all, it was extremely jealous when I read that email. God, like, how wow, did you not think of this? Great. I don't know how I didn't think of it. Uh, I blame myself. Uh, I gotta gotta go back to the drive. Oh, now I'm going to a press conference phone. Uh, you know, sometimes you miss them, but uh, you know, I gotta look in the mirror and uh, I just gotta do better next podcast. I feel like I started. You know, I was at least early on. I feel somewhat responsible for this email yeah, and I thought f- with my Paul George theory, but I wasn't able to take it across the finish line. Bummer. Speaking of the Lakers, Andrew wants to know, why not Dwayne Wade as the next Lakers coach? That would well, be because LeBron's not allowed to be player coach, so why not get a banana boat buddy to be the coach and LeBron's really the coach? You know it would be great for that? Carmelo's an assistant? No. Wade introduced to every arena as a first-year new head coach. He's giving and, a suit jacket right. to the other coach? We just got, we just added a whole nother season to the <laughs> Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, Wade show. So everybody can give him gifts. The last dance? He can exchange jackets, blazers. Last dance. Hashtag. Hashtag last dance. <laughs> He's walking That's around long, Miami. That was the longest retirement ever. Now Kareem's was. Because Kareem, we had to give him gifts and pretend we liked him. That one's more personal for you. This is... Michael Maley, I sent this one to you because I really wanted your take on this. When Ben Simmons is in the gym practicing, what does he do? He can't work at his passing or vision, his two best skills. So what does he do? Selfies. What does he do? What does he do in practice? Great question. I've asked this. Does he shoot? Every broadcast, let's face it, like a lot of the national broadcasts too, as much as you were talking about local broadcasts, the NBA has to approve you, right? You had to go through it. When I did the draft stuff, I had to fill out this paperwork and- you know, I remember one time somebody said like, oh, this may not work out for you. And I was like, what? I was like, the guys at the NBA like me. Like, I'm fine. And I think there's a real message where if you're doing a national game, ABC, TNT or whatever, they don't want you saying what all of us think at home. Like as soon as the announcer or the play-by-play guy, color guy, play-by-play guy starts going, well, he puts in so much work at the gym. And you're like, how come the other guy doesn't go, well, what the hell is he doing in there? Because that's what I do when I'm home. Like, how could you be working on your shot that much and never take it for two years? So what does he do? What Walk me through 90 minutes in the gym with Ben Simmons. Ball handling? Is he they passing? Say, they all say he takes jumpers. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that is. But, like, there's all these people, too. Like, there's lazy people out there. And I'm not – I don't know if he's lazy or not lazy. I'm not – I have no idea, so I'm not sharing that opinion. But there's guys that I'll see that go, oh, hitting the gym now. It's all, everything's new. And you're like, all you're doing is posting a fucking picture, some deadlifts, and you're not doing anything. Like some people that are lazy think showing up and doing minimal shit is actually working hard. So you know, for the person, for to be up to that person to gauge how hard or not hard they're working, I don't know. Let's get some cameras in there. This is all access. Let's do this. Hard knocks Ben Simmons. I like James Harden 
when after a game when there's actually video of him working at 11 o'clock on like a step back three like, well that's oh, that my guy thing is with, actually working with boxing video like we'll see it with different football players or guys and be like oh look at this footage of him like well because he gave it to you and everybody who's like okay at boxing wants people to see that they're like pretty decent at throwing a punch so i gave this like russell wilson's the king of giving you boxing footage it's like my daughter played for our eighth grade team last year and she she loves soccer. She doesn't like basketball as much, but she did it because they needed girls for the team and they had almost won the year before. She so she's kind of like, she's like Durant? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just about as moody. Uh, <laughs> what? What? The kids corner Who podcast. did I offend more? I don't know. Uh, but it would always be like, uh, it would always be like, Zoe, you should go outside shoot some jumpers. Yeah, I'll go out there later. And then she would just never go because she just doesn't like basketball that much. I wonder if Ben Simmons is like that where Brett Brown's like, hey, yeah, uh, Ben, you should go out and shoot some jumpers. He's like, yeah, I'm going out there in a second. And maybe he's just in the gym fucking lifting. He's just good. I want to do- I worked a- on my free throws for 10 minutes, coach. We need to go to the gym to work on our Brett Brown accent because I want to do it so What's well, like bad. a New Hampshire one? We're, no, he's from Maine. We screwed that up. We started calling it Rhode Island last time. And that's right. He's from Maine. And I, I hear it. It's amazing. It's so good. And I can't do it. I've been practicing. Like when I, he did an interview the other day, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we, it's because it's, it's raspy and it's old. And then there's just words that are murdered. Where it just you're like, what the hell was that word? It's so much more. He sounds like like you're stopping by Sandwich, Massachusetts, to get gas on the way to like Hyannis, and you're at the at like the Dunk. You decided to get See, a coffee. But I can do the cape. And he's one. at Dunkin' Donuts, and like Brett Brown's there. He's like, yeah, hey, wait, you headed to Hyannis? <laughs> I was just there, and he's just like, I don't. But it's more kicking though. It's deeper. Yeah, the Cape accent. I, I usually can do that one because I worked with all these Cape Cod framers back when I was deciding if I was just going to be a framer. And uh, they'd come over, my dad's name is Bob, and they'd be like, hey, Bob, that, that dorm is a bitch. We get a clock that with like, there's like Bob a three-quarter gap on that on that front dorm, Bob. It's fucking, <laughs> it's whipping wind in there. Can whipping. you do Rhode Island? No. My grandmother's, my whole father's family's from Providence, so I can't. Rhode in it, the it's, Rhode Island accent is the Boston accent after like seven drinks yes, and yes, cocaine. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the Coke part, but um Wait, the, I have a couple more questions for you. Do you want some cake? It's from Cavell. Cavell. Josh from Louisville wants to know Is Russell Westbrook the clubber yet lang of the NBA? His skill and intensity can dominate his opponent, but his own energy can be used against him. It's pretty great. I'm going to defer to you on this one. Clubbery Lang, next question. Well, Jim Corner this week. I have a reader, Jim Corner, from Jess. I'm a longtime female listener and huge fan of the various iterations of the pod. This week, you asked for listeners to stop writing in about naked men in the locker room. I want to support that. Until you have seen an elderly naked woman shaving her legs in the shared shower area of your locker room, you have nothing to complain about. The woman's locker room at the YMCA can reach a level of what the fuck that makes Silver Forest sound majestic. XOXO yeah. Jess. I'm nervous. I'm super Silver nervous. Silver Forest. I forgot. By I don't the way, even my really father... know what that means, but that sounds horrible. Yeah, I think I know what she's talking about. 
but <laughs> you think you I forgot idea? my father, my father called this segment. He goes, the thing, it's not, that's not throne games. No, no, no. I totally screwed that up. Throne I apologize to my dad. He was like that thing you do guy in the corner, <laughs> guy in the corner. <laughs> so that's way better. Guy, guy in, in the, the corner. corner. Uh, well, I don't know. It doesn't sound like I, I can't fix that. I'm just a man. Do you have a gym corner this week? I hesitate to ask. I do. I'm not sure how I feel about sharing this, Okay, but this is a milestone step for me. Great. I just started working with a personal trainer. Oh, wow. This is like when Tony Soprano finally went to go see Dr. Melfi. You're right. He knew he knew he needed the help the whole time. Kept just, fighting it off. And I've been now a lot finally- of pain. You know, it's going down my right leg for a while. I just expected it to go away. And then I realized, you know, it's been about four years. And uh, it's just the pain, the pain hasn't stopped. <laughs> and I don't know what's wrong. I had a crack in my leg once for a couple of years and I couldn't get it fixed. I didn't have insurance. And I stopped playing basketball in my mid thirties, which is a terrible idea because some of the skills have never recovered, but I still feel like those new Durants are coming out. So I feel like I got to get my game right for the summer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, personal trainer. <laughs> yeah, man. Nineties kid. Female trainer. Okay. Maybe the nicest human being I've ever met in my entire life. And she's a little thrown off because she doesn't really know what my deal is. And there'll be some guys that come up to say hello at the gym. Like, hey, man, just downloaded the one with you and Bill. Fucking killer. <laughs> Love those a, guys. And then another guy will come up and be like, unfortunately, he's going to listen to this now. He's going to apologize. You're not bugging me, dude. I really appreciate you like the podcast. Definitely come up and say hello all the time. Another guy came up. He goes, are the Lakers getting anybody? And like, didn't even say hi. And so the girl's like, what's going on? Meanwhile, that is, hold on. Can we freeze that for a second? Yeah. I, I'm always interested when that happens. Because that happens to me from time to time. When somebody will come up and they start with the question. And it's always it's always like they're aggrieved about their team to the point that they can't remember to even start the interaction. It's like, dude, what are we going to do about LeBron? <laughs> and that's how they just start. Yeah. I've never met the person. I'm like, I don't know, man. You're in trouble. Like, Sometimes you can freak me out, too, because I'll be like, did we meet? Right. Like, how how do I know? They're just you know? in mid-segment. Mid I was in a building the other day, and a guy came out of the hallway, and he kind of did like a... And I went, oh, man. I'm like, I don't remember this guy. So I'm like what's up and he was saying hello to somebody behind me <laughs> he wasn't even saying hi to me so i don't think it's as rude as it sounds right now because i think guys are that like they're in despair the guys that are super into it are in such despair that they've thrown out all normal protocol or sometimes they're trying to be funnier and more often than not the transactions are always pretty cool when somebody tells you they like what you're doing so i it never really I, lo- bothers I, me I love it much. as well i had a but the a- girl guy trainer thing they're starting to wonder like Rosillo. But she's helping me with injuries. It's not like she's spotting me. Nobody's dude. judging you. It's fine. It don't let sucks, don't let those though. people at the gym judge you. Can I ask you this question? Because this happened to me last week. I was playing golf. I brought my daughter because she likes driving the cart, and nice. I just want to play Kids nine. Love, adults like it. Want to get in nine holes in like under two hours. Course was really slow. There were two guys behind me, and it was like a par three where they finished their hole. I'm waiting. Like they're, I'm like, why don't you just join me and we can just play these last four holes together. So now we're playing and like a hole in the guy goes, we've met before, right? We've played together. And I was like, no, he's like, I could swear we met you before. We met before, but it was really, he just 
Scion TV. Or, or wherever. And probably I'd, TV. Probably TV. So now I'm in that position of, am I like a fucking asshole? I'm like, well, I used to be on TV. I was, you know, the ESPN and HBO show. That's how you saw me. Cause then somebody be like, oh yeah, that's right. But then you feel like a douche bringing that up. Hmm. So I was like, yeah, you know, I, I used to work on ES, at ESPN. You probably saw so me humble, like, somewhere around there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's where it was. So it went from, did we play golf together to, no, I saw you on my television. But it is weird, the power of TV, where it makes people think they've entered, they've, you know, done something with you, but you've just- Yeah, they see television. your face and they're trying to television figure it out. Television is crazy powerful. Unbelievable. Can't wait to be back on. People it. with you, you were like, no, I'm on ESPN. And then you say, I was on first take last month. I fucking crushed three I of the crushed. segments. I fucking crushed it. Crushed. Did you see the one on March 30th? I fucking crushed it. We broke down rotations in the L West. <laughs> But we had to project out three years from <laughs> now. Fucking killed it. Fucking guys. Um, last question from Mark and Sudbury. I hesitate Sudbury to ask mass. this. And I, I don't think it's going to happen either. But I think it is worth mentioning. Assuming there are eight teams left vying for the NBA title and Stanley Cup, the random odds for the Celtics and Bruins both winning, random odds, resulting in the Boston Grand Slam, are now 1-64. in 64. This is if the Bruins get by the Leafs in Game 7. Um where do you two homers place the true odds on a on a Boston slam? And if that happened, how would that change your no complaining for five years after your team wins a title roll? I mean, the Boston slam, it's not going to happen, but it it is incredibly still in play. It is still in play. It's so stupid how ridiculous this run has been for two decades. They have a chance to... Go but four it's in a supposed row. to be over. Like it was supposed to be over it's, seven or eight years ago, and it's not over. When the Bruins won in 2011, and they could have had another one. That's the scary thing. Well, that's usually how the how the it works. Thirteen. Yeah, like that fucking Blackhawks game. Right, the Blackhawks game, and then you could even argue that the Celtics thing. So we shouldn't sit here and start saying, "Well, here are the ones they should have had too." On top of everything else, no, but that that because thirteen they easily could have won. But that that's year. just the way it works. Like Alabama, when you look at the Saban run at the end, you'd be like, "Oh, he could have had all these other ones." You're like, "Yeah, but he got a couple." The same thing with the Pats. Like the Pats have a couple they could have lost, but they also have a couple they should have won. I think the Pats so, are at the right amount. Exactly. That's the, the yeah. KG Celtics. I think the over under was one and a half, and they went under. Yeah, I think they could have had another one. Anyway, so a Boston slam, like the idea of this thing even happening, that in 2001 you're sitting there and you're drunk in New Orleans going, I can't believe they beat the Rams. And then you say, yeah, you know what's going to be crazy though? This is going to be a start of something where like in 18 years you're going to be doing a podcast with a guy where there's a chance that all four teams could have won a title in consecutive sporting I remember years. in that's, eight, that's so, no wonder everybody hates people from Boston. I remember in 86, we had the Pats Super Bowl, 46 right. to 10. Yeah. Celtics win the title. Yeah. The Bruins flamed out that year, but then we had uh, the Red Sox almost won the title. It was all within a nine-month span. I forget. Yeah, they lost to some team from New York. And uh, I remember thinking that was insane. It was like, wow. In that was eight that months, was we were just in three yeah. of the four finals. We went one and two. But uh, all right, it's time. Episode two of Throne Game. No, but I gotta. I gotta so if we, you haven't watched Game of that. Thrones yet, this is the last thing we're doing on the podcast. You can uh, you can exit and come back later. This is where Rasilla and I recap Game of Thrones. Uh, some highlights. Mm. Little start at the top. Jamie Lannister. Nobody was vouching for him. Brianna Tarth steps right up. 
Says, I got this guy. This is my guy. Right. I scouted him when he was in Greece. I was at a bunch of YMCA's rebounding for him. I knew he, I knew this was going to happen. I want you to spend a lottery pick on this guy. Yeah, it's at the end of the lottery. We don't really have a ton of options. It's like, look, the the yeah. the, the death people are coming. We got to use the pick. What are the this death year? people called? White Walkers. The White Walkers are coming. If we don't use the pick this year, it's two second rounders next yeah, year. Yeah, we need so bodies. We just, just need bodies. He'll fill in. He's he's got one hand, but he's really good with that one hand. A lot of veteran experience. Because that was a tough room. But like, hey, our brother's handicapped because of you. You also killed my dad, and you killed my mom and my dad. <laughs> and you've had sex with your sister for years. Yeah. So we're not super into handing you a bow and arrow here right away. All right, so that's one part. So that was good. I enjoyed that scene. Do you have notes? What's going on I just here? wrote notes so we remember. Holy uh, shit. Jamie then goes outside, apologizes to Bran. Yeah. Sorry for pushing you out of a 100-foot tower and paralyzing you. My bad. And then Bran just is creepy. He was he like, had, look, I was freaked out. I was having sex with my sister. You showed up. I, I panicked. Our families were at war. Your mom said stop climbing. Yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't have been up there. There's a reason we went up to the high tower. All right. How did they get up to that tower, by the way? Elevator. They had elevators in the 1300s? Pulley system. Boulders, Pulley system. Boulders and whatnot. So Jamie apologized. Bran says, we're cool. Yeah. Um. If if the world ends tonight, I'm the I'm the last vessel we have to if anyone remember anything. We're good. I've got He's, bigger fish Brand, to fry. Despite the fact that he sucks in every scene, <laughs> extremely forgiving. Not really a grudge, is. not a grudge holder. <laughs> not at all. He's like, you know, you lost a hand. Yeah. I've lost the ability to walk. We're probably it kind of felt a little bit like Kyrie LeBron. Yeah. Like I don't know. You're like, what? Everybody's good now? You guys might be teammates. You guys get along? Yeah. What happened? He's James like, I like called can him. I talk to you for advice with dealing with my Jamie's like, I called teammates? Bran and he was like, Look, I should have never chucked you out of a window. <laughs> and now you're you were in a wooden sled. At least you get a chair now. So then speaking of Brianne, big spot for her now training some of the sword fighters. She's been a, she's been known to do this though. Big Patrick. Is it some people are saying too much too soon? Yeah, she's got a Can't whole- she be a coach and a GM? I yeah. don't know. No, that's that's a good point. Because she's got that high ground there on the left flank, I believe. Yeah. And then Jamie was like, I'm in. Don't want to see her rush it. Sansa and- uh, Who? Daenerys. <laughs> Great scene. Sansa? <laughs> Sansa. What did I say? It was a soft day. Yeah. It's like 1130 at night. Sansa. <laughs> it's, it's Mario. It's did I say Mario. Sansa? Yeah. yeah I meant Sansa. That's all right. It's almost better. Her and Daenerys I had a some scene. Coffin. Her and Daenerys. Daenerys I'm, or Daenerys? <laughs> D money. Her and D have a scene. <laughs> and uh, warmed up to each other a little. Yeah, hey, I'm- Felt I'm better. Sleeping with your brother. You Talked about are, Real Housewives of Winterfell. <laughs> yeah. Men are stupid. <laughs> and then- uh, Well, the actual quote is, men do stupid things for women. They can be easily manipulated- Sansa says this. Now, wouldn't say she had a ton of experience with men when she has that quote, right? No, she, she has the marriage with Tyrion where she never has sex with them. Right. Then a really awful marriage with Ramsay that Not was probably good. the least popular Joffrey. relationship in HBO history. And that's Wait a minute, about what about it. Joffrey? Wasn't she with Joffrey at some point too? Joffrey, but never consummated. God, boy, Ramsey wasn't exactly a Ramsey rebound. Was, huh? was somehow, not, somehow Joffrey was a step up from uh, how 
Ramsey, one of the worst characters in the history of television. And then played Mick Mars. But my point is, where does she suddenly get the wisdom to talk about relationships? I didn't really get that part. But You grow up fast in Winterfell. <laughs> Apparently. So nice, warm relationship, bonded over some stuff, got like a Starbucks. That. Like that. It Same felt- latte order. It was crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it got cool right at the end. Daenerys took the hand off. Why'd she take the hand off, Kyle? She said she some, said some shit. Yeah, she said some. Got like, deep for a second, and Daenerys mouth, yeah. didn't like it. Yeah, and then also Daenerys had the line that I'm getting like maybe a lower back tat. Would said I thought he'd be taller. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought he'd be taller. Because we got we got to keep track Snow. of the IG lines that are like huge. If you want a queen earner, if you yeah. want a, you know, if you want a whore buyer, if you want a queen earner. And then, so then this uh, week is I thought he'd be taller. Big. So they had a big game plan about the big battle, and. All of us were perplexed because it was like, yeah, we're not going to have enough people. We got to do, you know, they're trying to do the Belichick kind of game plan. Nobody brings up the dragons. The dragons should be in the first sentence of the game plan. It's like, wow, you know, but hey, Daenerys, the dragons are going to show up, right? Like we're going to have those. Yeah. They're going to breathe fire and kill. And like, Just we're, think we're if good they with had that, right? How stupid the whole thing was. I have a hard time with this. Like, I understand dragons are flying around and there's a 400 year old hot chick and there's all these different things that aren't real. But I still feel like it was so annoying that they had to lose a dragon because the people in King's Landing and thereabouts surrounding areas were that stubborn about the white walkers that it was like why don't you band of misfits just go all the way up there and kidnap one just so we'll believe you and then that didn't even work anyway because now everybody realizes that cersei's not giving them the army and that's why jamie's up there by himself and it just they're down a fucking dragon and there's a white walker dragon now and he took down the whole wall but you know what would be a boring tv show not losing the dragon having three dragons of their zero and never getting past the wall that'd be the end of the show so these are really great points um uh, you know so another thing that happened Tyrion started a podcast (laughs) yeah and they started having guests yeah first big what a guest list big conversation had bran on it's like uh bran's like hey so what's your story he's like oh it's a long story he's like i've got some time right and then first let's talk about ZipRecruiter. And went right in on right on Brand. Brand tells his whole story for two hours, right? And, and then Jamie's there. Then and Jamie like, comes yeah, in, guest yeah. number two, episode two. Jamie, his Booker's incredible. He's really good. Had the fireplace there. Fireplace chats with and Ty- he had him Tyrion. drinking too. Yeah, which is always a better way to work. It was good. Loosened up the guests. Very smart. Brienne was like, "Can you win with Daenerys?" And then other people were like Tyrion's like, "I think she's a compiler." <laughs> so. That leads to the third podcast, which uh, was Jason Gallagher dubbed the Winterfell, the shop. The shop, yeah. Have six people. They're all drinking in front of the fireplace. Um, for some reason, Maverick Carter was there. I thought that was weird why he was hosting. Looked good, though. Looked good. Good suit. But uh, So they all hung out. Then, uh, then po- quite possibly the most unwanted sex scene in the history of HBO, which is really saying something. Arya is... Is eyeing uh, Gendry. In fact, there was there were some seeds planted earlier. It's been going on for a while, and it's like they'll never actually do this. Like this is our little Arya. This is America's sweetheart. America's little warrior sweetheart. I can't stand her, but yeah. Well, it's just like we've seen her since she was like nine. No, like I get it. Yeah, ten. Like they'll never actually go there with this. Mm. So then finally, she makes her move. And she was aggressive about it too. Dude. She was aggressive, and clothes are now coming off. 
and the three of us are watching I with my away. wife and all of us are going, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, the clothes kept coming off and she just jumped Gendry and, uh, and had a sex scene on Game of Thrones. And it was, uh, I just, I think we could have had the, the gist of it. I don't know what happened or why this happened. I have an explanation and it just, it took too long. I never understood this, but Game of Thrones is about female empowerment and mm. never more so than this episode. Most of the women never die on the show. Stark mom, yeah. There's a couple other stragglers. Stark sure. mom. That didn't go great. <laughs> but there are a ton of dudes going down all the time. And in this episode alone, it was coffee talk with... Sansa and Daenerys. Yeah. It was the knighting of Brienne of Tarth. Well, we, we didn't was, get to that yet, but yeah, that okay. was an emotional scene. It was Arya's I'm taking over, where she was like intimidating a dude who makes, she's intimidating a dude who makes swords for a living. Dragon glass swords. And then at the end, that little elfin girl, who's always apparently in charge of the room, yeah. when she's like nine, she was like, no, I'm going to fight. And they're like, can you not? You're like nine and weigh 98 pounds. And she's like, I'm fighting- and she goes, you know, William Wallace. So boom, 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 boom. I'm telling you right now, the talk is going to be on fire this week, <laughs> breaking down what kind of storylines we well, had development. They, this, they is set a big, up- this is a female, is the future female forward. That's what this episode was. With a catch. Jon Snow finally tells Daenerys at the end, actually, uh, I'm also Targaryen. Um Remember that whole thing with but that was actually my dad. And uh yeah, John Snow's like your buddy in the wedding party that's getting a little drunk the night before. He's Friday goes, night. Right. The goes, Friday night, the night gets before the way wedding. too banged up and he goes to the groom. He's like, Hey, he's like, I'm so happy for you too. And just just so you know, just so you didn't know. mean anything, right? Like it was Cancun. There was another. Her roommate was. <laughs> you awake. guys were broken up. Like I was sort of hooking up more with a roommate than her, anyway. But then she and she jumped in. I just it meant nothing. I just wanted to make sure you heard it from me, buddy. <laughs> like pick another time to tell the horn's the, going off. Right, the horn is going off. So, but it's going back to your female empowerment thing. It sets up now the Daenerys heel, heel turn. Yeah, because she's not like just having this. Because now it's like, oh, wait a second. That guy is actually the natural heir to the throne. Yeah. And uh, and his sister doesn't like me either. I've got two dragons. I'm taking everybody out. So you know the third episode. And she's is- like, I haven't been on Tyrion's podcast yet. <laughs> I was now right I'm there. He walked gonna, right by me. I'm definitely not going to get booked now. I'm not even the rightful heir. So if they... He just had Ari on. That was bullshit. What's but going on? We do a daily web show we could use you on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, next week is the Battle of Winterfell, which is apparently going to be an hour and a half and is going to be one of the great episodes of Game of Thrones history. You know, it's directed by the Battle of the Bastards guy. Oh, really? Yeah. I just read that tonight. So that was, Kyle, anything else? That was this week's episode of Throne Game. It was, they did it to us again. It's fine. It was a big setup. setup. It's been two setup episodes, but you know, when you're trying to combine 20 storylines into 120 minutes to set up the big reveal, as a writer, I totally get what they're doing. 
like 20 minutes of that could have been a montage i think 20 minutes of today montage no no lines 80s 80s movie style people are cleaning they start painting the house should we end the podcast playing a little aunt balachi would it be funny though if the game of thrones guys were like hey what do you think for like just five minutes we fuck with everybody and do like an 80s revenge of the nerds scene as they're getting winterfell ready for battle it's like we're gonna take this step. Oh, like a montage. <laughs> and Jon Snow's got like a huge smile and a big bundle of dragon glass and that like falls and somebody catches some of it and they start laughing at each other and there's no dialogue and it's just like an awesome 80s song over the top of it. Aria's in the closet with Gendry real fast. Hey, dude, easy. <laughs> okay, okay. Don't cut it out. Kyle, no, don't, don't cut, cut it out, but. <laughs> then cut to Gendry just asleep after. That guy's just ice cold, baby. First of all, you just had sex with Arya. The White Walkers are coming. You're all going to die Everyone's tomorrow. like yeah. on the fringe. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not like, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm going to tune in. If the horn goes off, will you wake me up? The horn, if yeah, the let horn me of death comes, we just wake me up? Let me know if those devil I skeletons I got to put my contact lenses in. close. <laughs> I'm going to try to grab a little shut eye here. Do you guys want to watch a movie? All right, here's uh, here's Aunt Balachi. This is my son and his friend. Kyle loves this. Wait a minute. My son's 11 and so is his friend. Kyle likes this. Is that your son rapping? This is him. Paracorder. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. This what is do they happening. call themselves? The Tic Tac and Melatonin. <laughs> he calls himself Melatonin? The so other what was the tic-tac. other thing? What was the Aunt Balachi thing you said? I don't know. He made up. This That's, is what they call the song, Aunt Balachi. Aunt Balachi? Yeah. The best people to make weird rap music titles are either really stoned adult musicians or 11-year-old kids. Because that's how you come up with Aunt Balachi. I got to tell you, I didn't hate it. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the scary good. part. <laughs> Listen, professional wrestler or rapper, I've got two possible job vocations for my son. Feel good. Uh, I feel like he's warming up to me, though, today. He is. Today. He definitely was. You get to see him in his underwear. It was, it was, it was totally <laughs> comfortable. Because <laughs> I was like, it's halftime, and I want to get some shots up because I saw your hoop. And then I go, well, And then gonna, he looked at I'm you like, is the pen. underwear okay? And it clearly wasn't. <laughs> So he put some pants on. Well, no, I told him. I go, I go. Hey, do you want to shoot some hoops? And I didn't know because you know he's like, look, I'm just a stranger basically in his house, and uh, he was into it immediately. So I was like, do you want to go outside to shoot some hoops? And he goes, yeah, definitely. And then I looked at him standing there in his underwear, and I go, should I take my pants off? <laughs> the answer is probably yes. And he gets stone faced. He's like, no. And then he like throws his pants on. <laughs> It's a big week for your female personal trainer and pantless basketball. Yeah, nobody. Hey, look, I'm great with kids. People wonder <laughs> if I hate kids. I love kids. I just, I don't have any. That's all. You're great with kids and you killed it on that March 30th first take. <laughs> How does he know about the Mariners six and seven guys? <laughs> all right, we're officially, uh, officially getting giggly here. Hey, thanks to the zone. Thanks to uh, hashtag Talk to Thrones. Check it out at Ringer if you uh, if you missed it. Thanks to Lisa, especially big thanks from Kyle. Lisa's most popular multi-layer foam mattress made with. 
premium foams for cooling, contouring, pressure relieving support. Please check it out. Kyle, your review, A++ or A+. Is there three pluses? A++ from Kyle. Don't miss out. Live healthier, live happier by resting deeper orders today. Get 15% off your purchase for a limited time. At lisa.com slash BS, use promo code BS. That is L-E-E-S-A dot com slash BS. If you missed the rewatchables, we did The Natural uh, a couple weeks ago. We did Major League a couple weeks ago. Then we did Field of Dreams this week. So the baseball trilogy is complete. Saving Bull Durham for later. You can check out on Luminary. Uh, our little 1999 series is coming. American Pie is the first one. A movie that uh, is still entertaining and has also aged terribly. Uh, we broke it all down. If you want to hear it, check out Luminary. Download the app. Follow all the instructions I gave before. Back with a couple pods this week. Ralph Macchio in the studio this week. Old friends Jesus and Mero will be in the studio this week. We still have the Michael Lewis interview we did, which was awesome. A lot of good stuff coming up. I'm going to probably pop on the Ring NFL show. And then Dual Threat with Ryan Rosillo. The draft stuff this week. You love the draft. Love the draft on it. Trying to think of something creative, something different. We won't go seven rounds in reverse, but I'll come up with some. Do you want me to come on dual threat and just go through the 18 receivers Belichick has picked in the last 18 years and how he's gone one for 18 and this is somehow the Belichick Achilles heel, but it doesn't matter because we've won six Super Bowls? Yeah, I've done these. I've done it. We can do it. Come on. and because How I about a, I power rank the Belichick receiver draft picks? Chad Jackson's up there. Chad Jackson, uh, Brandon Johnson. Tate, Bethel Johnson. Yeah, it's rough. Who was the guy last year? Brandon Barrios? Is that his name? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I want that guy. Who's the guy I want from Oklahoma? Hollywood. I want Hollywood, and I want the tight end who's great in the workouts. That guy. What was that guy's name? Iowa guy. Yeah. Fant? Yeah, no, Fant. Yeah. All right. Uh, check out Dual Threat. Thanks, everybody. Back later in the week with more. Until then. <laughs>